Welcome to The Wheel of Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 46, 47, 48, 49, and 50 of The Great Hunt. To come out of the shadow, the grave is no bar to my call, first claiming what was meant to be and after. Enjoy! All right, welcome to season two, episode 20, the final season of The Great Hunt and season two. We'll start in season three later this week um, where we start recording The Dragon Reborn. So excited about that. I know our guys are excited to keep moving on and hopefully uh, they'll enjoy the next book as much as they did this one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so as far as everything going on, as far as housekeeping, we Patreons, um, we got no new Patreons, listeners about the same, social media is all about the same. So not much going on um, in that world. As far as merch goes, we do our Floaties t-shirts available, and we are first on the way to our guest host tonight, Zul. Um, yeah, so Zul is joining us tonight. Um, many people know her from our Discord channel, maybe from social media whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube as Dana Lou Who. But um, she's very much behind the scenes in a lot of Discord channels in the real-time community. And was one of the first ones to really adopt us as a podcast, one of our first listeners, and, and people really get us out there. So uh, happy to have you here, Zul. And uh, if you want to introduce yourself, go ahead. Hello, everyone. I am Zul on Discord. So if you join um, a number of Wheel of Time Discords, um, you may find me greeting you there. And if you are on YouTube or Twitter, you'll see me as Dana Lou Who in the uh, Wheel of Time verse. And um, because there is no Dana, only Zool. So only Zool. That's right. <laughs> um, I found this podcast. It was my second first time reader podcast. And I found it very near the beginning and immediately fell in love with it. I knew right away that there was an amazing chemistry between these three very intelligent gentlemen. And, you know, they're very funny as well. And mm -hmm. so I knew it was going to be a success and jumped right into discord and was one of the first people on the discord. And they're, they're the very first podcast I chose to support on Patreon. So you will hear me if you've made it all the way through to this point in the episodes, you'll hear me on a bonus episode where um, we did a quiz together along with um, Delusions of Grendel. So... Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That was, yeah. That was a lot of fun. So I'm excited for this. Let's go. But awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, as far as personal life goes, I'll start there. Um, yeah, we had Halloween, which was fun. It was my daughter's first Halloween and my son's third Halloween. Probably, it might, he might not remember this one either, but he's two and a half. But we went as dinosaurs. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we trick-or-treating. We got lots of candy. He's excited about the candy. Um, what two-year-old is not excited about candy? But um, so um, mm -hmm. other than that, you know, we're getting ready for the holiday season um, and we're trying to quarantine a proper way between 
um, with different families, uh, making sure that my wife's family and my family, uh, just make sure it's safe because they're intermingling with respected people. So we're trying to make two weeks between each time we visit. So it's just logistically trying to figure out the holidays, but, um, that's about my life right now. Um, so going kind of back into quarantine, be fun. Yeah. Well, you've, you've got a lot of practice. We've been doing this a while, so you, I think you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So uh, this last weekend, uh, Halloween weekend, it was fantastic. Uh, went out to uh, the River House with, with my dad and that side of the family, and uh, a couple of my stepbrothers were out there with their kids. I had my kids, so um, kids galore running around, nieces, nephews. We, uh, you know, I, I took the older kids of the group. We went out to dinner one night in Colonial Williamsburg, uh, and then we did the Haunted Ghost Tour out there. And Alan, you and I talked about this briefly before, and you reminded me to make sure I was doing one of the student-led ones because those are actually scary and fun. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I got the tickets for the one through the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation, and it's very watered down and PG and kind of meh. So uh, I, I like to think if, you've, if you're like a true tourist in the area and you've never really been through Colonial Williamsburg, it's probably a lot of fun. Those stories are neat. But it's all stuff we all heard about growing up, so it wasn't really, wasn't really that exciting. But the kids still had fun. Um, went back to the river, huge bonfire, uh, four wheeling, ripping through the mud uh, till all hours of the night. Um, and when I say bonfire, not like a little you know fire pit. We were we were pushing together with the tractors, pushing together all the down trees in the area and to this just giant pile and throwing everything we could find in there. So you could probably see our fire from like many miles away. Uh, it was fantastic, but didn't I didn't awesome. sleep much at all the entire weekend. I am completely exhausted, and as exciting uh, as excited as I am to be doing this episode tonight, as soon as it's over, I am jumping straight into bed. And in fact, if it lingers too long, y'all might hear the sheets ruffling. I might I might slowly slip under the sheets. <laughs> 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 no, I mean of the dream world. <laughs> we'll see if I make it. We'll keep it going. Yeah, awesome. Hi, right, Chris. Um, so went up Thursday night to Lynchburg, Virginia or over, I guess, you know, I'm not very good directionally, um, and taught from Lynchburg and then got to coach, which is the first time this season. Um, for those that are newer to the channel or just haven't been listening, I coach, uh, track and field for Lynchburg college or excuse me for Randolph college, which is up in Lynchburg, Virginia. And you know, even though our students aren't allowed to live on campus or go to classes on campus, we are now allowed to coach. So, um, you know, I had kids come anywhere from a half an hour to two hours in to train with me. So got to train with them Friday afternoon. Um, and it just so happens that Miss Chanel came down and joined me uh, while we were there. Like we had this big game plan that we were going to have a really nice uh, fall evening together and we wanted to do it in the mountains. And since I was coaching, I got you know free places to live. So <laughs> that made it worth it for her to come out there. We didn't have to spend any costs on housing and that sort of thing. And we proceeded after I coached Friday and then Saturday morning to go to Crabtree Falls, which was just beautiful. Anybody that comes to Virginia makes their way up in the um, Afton Blacksburg area, you have to take the time to just enjoy nature and do one of the many trails there and, and enjoy yourself the way we did. 
Fun fact about Crabtree Falls, it's actually the tallest set of waterfalls east of the Mississippi. It's actually taller than the Niagara Falls. Um, now, it's not as much water going through it. It's not as crazy, but it's as far as how tall it is, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, hmm. the tallest east of the Mississippi. Um, I'm going to so put that in my little Jeopardy book just in case I ever yeah. go on that show. So, yeah, Niagara does have more water going through, but not as far down as Crabtree Falls is. Crabtree Falls is a really long waterfall as far as the falls. Like, it just keeps going. <laughs> uh, my son and I went there a few weeks ago, so pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's really pretty. Definitely check it out. And we went to – that's where I went to the Silverback Brewery. Okay. Cool. Yeah. A lot of fun. So, you know, like two episodes ago when I was talking about climbing Spy Rock, so that same road you go on to get to Crabtree Falls, mm-hmm. if you go like two more streets up the mountain, that's the parking lot to climb to Spy Rock. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Right next it's to where hatch- yeah. It's a fish hatchery. Oh, uh, I saw the lot. sign for that too. Yeah. Yeah. So where the fish hatchery is, it's right, the parking lot's right next to that. So huh. pretty cool. Right there. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, right over the same neck of the woods. Next time. <laughs> Next time. Yeah, Spy Rock's really pretty too. It's uh it's quite a hike though. Um, but it's it's pretty. Not um, long but steep. Yeah. It's about about a mile and a half, but it's straight mm-hmm. up. But it's straight up. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's a hike. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, how about you, Zul? Anything personal life going on? Um, not much really. Um I'm a retired teacher, so I don't have to go out into the public very often and both of my daughters are are adults now and neither of them has been home in the past week so it's just really quiet here and we have no trick-or-treaters because we're out in the country um so it's just been super quiet had a gorgeous sunny day today enjoying the fall temperatures it's not too cold i'm in texas by the way all you texans out there love you and um, that's it. Just build over. Okay. Awesome. So I'll go into predictions from last. Uh, from well, I don't really have them last week. They're just from all over the place because this is this these chapters when kind of the, everything comes together. So pretty much all the predictions from this entire book. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm just gonna kind of mention them all, and then we'll talk about that right now, guys. So don't get too excited. <laughs> When I start going through them, <laughs> we'll talk about it as a comment. I'm just going to refresh our listeners about some of the predictions you made. Um, so that uh, Heron waiting in the rushes is going to be a very important storm for us. Because Rand might, might use it against Baltimore. <laughs> um, ding, 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 ding. Inktar is a dark friend. Uh, Selene is playing here, and that blows the horn. Bazinga. Anyway, there's... <laughs> <laughs> That these guys have made. <laughs> you don't know how long I've been waiting to do that. I will be good and I will shut up now. Okay. Uh, you don't know how excited we get in chat every time you make one of those predictions and we're like, oh my God, they're so like right on the money. So I've been waiting for this episode for these things to come true. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was fun reading for sure. Yeah. But Alan, you are a dark friend. Because <laughs> I'm pretty much, I would say you were neutral on some of those, but on a couple of them, again, you were almost trying to, I won't say talk us out of it, but with the ink tar thing, you made me feel bad for suggesting it. 
Like <laughs> I, I had to. I had to. <laughs> I mean, tripping me. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's harsh of me. How dare you? <laughs> He's so honorable. So honorable <laughs> of a soldier. <laughs> uh, anyway, anywho, yeah. Yep. So let's let's go right into chapter forty-six to come out of the shadow. Um, and the icon is a dagger. Um, so yeah, wait, wait. Want to talk about the chapter title before we get started? Or I mean, I think you, when you guys predicted last week, you thought it might be about Thane. I think we know by the end of this chapter what it means to come out of the shadow. But um, <laughs> right, right. But um, yeah, you guys were kind of off. I think last week, what you thought this chapter this, this chapter was going to be about. Yeah, I was thinking the Thane thing, but obviously that wasn't quite it, uh, and it definitely mm-hmm. caught me off guard. Yeah, uh, well, I guess not completely. But by the end of this chapter, I was cursing your name, Alan. So. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, like I am quite surprised that Fane didn't reappear at all. And I, I'll leave it alone. Yeah. I'll just make that statement and just be like, you know what, WTF, yeah. and leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, he's mentioned, but we'll get to that. Uh, but doesn't, yeah, but not doesn't really. He didn't appear. Yeah. That's what sucks. So sure. yeah, whatever. So we start. We start with Nynaeve. Um She's heading towards the demonic quarters. Um, men and company are, are, are there too. Um, so, you know, it's, it's men, Elaine, Nynaeve, and the, the Soldom um, that they've captured that's now a demonic. Um, and they're, yeah, they're making their way to try to save Egwene. So we'll start there. I, I'm, I'm rather impressed, like, how quickly Nynaeve was able to get her under control. Uh, and, and I guess, obviously, she... Um, what was her name? Seda. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. she understands how the collar and everything works, so you know she's probably smart. Once she realized what Nynaeve can do, she was probably smart not to fight it. But like, there really wasn't much adjustment to it at all. Like, she was just okay. I'll do what I'll do. Whatever you say. It just totally caved. So mm-hmm. it didn't put up much of a fight. Like, what? What do you think after doing that for so long? Maybe you had like, uh, I don't know, some inside scoop to some secret of some way of working around this type of control or I don't know, but I guess not because she was just like, Oh shit. Uh, all right. What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, looking, looking at it from Seda's point of view, if she's found with that collar on her neck, this comes up later. Um, mm-hmm. She has an idea of what's going to happen to her. So that's what Nynaeve uses to control her. She says, we don't want to be seen, and that's in your best interest. So she right. gets, in her, she gets right, right. in her head. She doesn't really even have to really use the, the, um, the Adom. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty slick. Pretty slick. Well, and I think to that point as well, she may not have necessarily intentionally used it, but she did push on it a little bit. And like she, she sent feelings and emotions through it, not knowing what she was doing. And she was disgusted with herself in doing it. But in that one moment, it was like understood, like this is all I have to do and you, you're going to pay. So let's, let's just do what we need to do Mm. to get where we need to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and as they move through this, 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 I guess it's a house that they're keeping all the demonic in, or I guess our manor. As she's moving through, she's super ner- not even super nervous. Obviously, uh, you you would be, 
And as they walk by, they notice a bunch of commotion going on by Turok's manor. Like on the courtyard, there's like a ton of commotion going on, but they just keep pressing further in. They're not really worried about what's going on over there, but that is mentioned. And then they follow Min. She kind of leads them through some pathway or some rooms until they get to Egwene's room. And they open the door and Egwene sees them. And it's not the like reaction you would think that you would have. Like she's she's surprised to see who it is, but then she just starts laughing. And giggling, and I think like it almost looks like I'm like bad, but um, no, she's really happy. No, to see you. But um, it's no, it's it's worse than that. This is a total barf moment for me. <laughs> like, I, 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 I so hard. I think they, I they almost fell out of my head. She goes, she looks at him. She goes, I know I'm not dreaming. She said in a quivering bo- voice, because if I was dreaming, you'd be red and <laughs> barf, barf, barf. Like, come on. What do you need Rand and Galad for? What are a couple of dudes with swords going to do for you here? Like, haven't we already been over this? That's not what we need. We need a super awesome naive finally coming out of her shell and just kicking ass and taking names. So you, you've got the best person you could possibly have coming Look, I love you. men's response to it's like, uh, if you'd rather wait for them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she, you know, they they file into this room, they close the door, and the first thing Gwen asks is like, "Well, can you take the collar off?" And Nadeev's like, "Sure." Pop pops the collar right off because at this point she knows exactly what to do. Uh, just kind of whips the thing right off, and um, and they start to change Gwen into um, they change Gwen out of the demonia outfit to try to sneak her out. Um, well, we're missing some very important pieces. We see a big change in Gwen here. We actually see some real hatred sure. from her. Yeah, like we had that. Way yeah, we had that moment where she's just like, "That's Seda, how?" And then her voice hardened, said, "Nynaeve barely recognized it." Like that right there was the big mm-hmm. turning point. Nynaeve didn't even rec- barely recognize it. She said, "I'd like to put her in a pot of boiling water." So Seda had mm-hmm. her eyes squeezed shut and her hands clutched her skirt. She was trembling. And she said, what have you, what have they done to you? Elaine exclaimed, what could they do to make you want something like that? Egwene never took her eyes off of the Sinchan uh, woman, excuse me. I like to make her feel it. That's what she did to me. Made me feel like I was neck deep in. And then she shuddered. We really get the severity of the type of torture she went through. Like imagining being in a pot of boiling water having like your entire body feel that the nerves just like being the hair feeling like it's being singed you feeling like your skin's being cooked off your body like and then to just for them to think about it and then you're done you no longer feel that way Mm -hmm. the type of mental damage that's been done here i think we're gonna see some real lasting effects over the next few books Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so uh, one thing I wanted to point out right after that, this goes back to Nynaeve, and I've been talking about how much of a badass she's become. Uh, she was, she one, she figured out how to break these collars free all by herself. She didn't have somebody guiding her or teaching her. She didn't have an example of somebody else doing it, and we talked about that last episode. But now when she does it, look how awesome this is. Can you take this off of me? Nynaeve channeled a pinpoint trickle, click, the collar on Egwene's neck, provided enough anger yada 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 and it falls off so a pinpoint trickle so efficient with it like she's got it figured out and now it's just a dink 
this thing mm-hmm. that was impossible for anybody to do, it's no big deal for her now. So I, mm-hmm. I underline that. I yeah, that I did too. Awesome. That's all right there with you. And this is where Gwen kind of uh, announces that she's figured it out that that Soldums can channel too. Um, they just don't know they can channel. Mm-hmm. So their entire culture is built around this whole thing where um, you have leashed ones who can channel versus the Soldums who 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 can't channel but can control channelers and i tried to i tried to lead you guys a last chapter of this but if you remember back to when moraine was talking to Gwen the first time back in either world and was talking about the the difference between channelers that will naturally um discover on their own versus there actually are women that we can teach that will never channel on their own unless we teach them so but mm. not, not everyone has that that power at all. So not every female can be taught, mm. but there's a lot larger percentage of females that can learn. They will that will naturally start channeling their own. Um, so this is where in their culture you get the soldom and the demane, where the soldoms don't even know they even have the potential. Like they're so it's it's yeah. Anyway, so, so. it's it's interesting that you'll notice that there are always more soldom than there are demane. So Mm -hmm. basically in the community, we call those like Egwene sparkers. Um, They will channel automatically whether they want to or not. They have no choice. And then there are those who can learn. So we call them learners. So it's sparkers and learners. And I think, don't um, don't Mm -hmm. quote me on this because I could be wrong. Um, I think it's about a one in, is it a one in four chance that you might be a sparker if you're able to... Yeah. Yeah. So, like, right. yeah. so for every three learners, there's one sparker. Right. So, so, so yeah. as I read this, I didn't think about it and try and connect all the dots quite like you did, Alan. But of course, that's good to know. Um, as I read it, it just kind of made sense. Okay. Like, uh, or, or it isn't very far fetched, you know, for someone to be able to wear the other end of this collar and be able to control this person that's channeling. It, it makes sense that they would, you know, be able to touch and use the power also. In fact, after I read it, I was like, well, yeah, maybe we should have picked up on that or asked that question before. Like, how else could you? It, it can't just be the collar that that makes that connection, you know. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So at this point, of course, Seda is completely terrified. She's pegged to the to the to the the wall meaning that in their culture if someone comes in and finds that she can channel she's going to be now a demane for the rest of her life um which is basically a slave so she's terrified and right as all this commotion is going on they're about to leave rena comes in uh, and and she's demanding to what's going on uh she doesn't see a great at first like she thinks it's kind of like this some people came in without permission to display her demane <laughs> And then sees Egwene without the cu- the collar, and her eyes just widen. And and let you guys take it. From so here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back just a little bit because again, I am loving this change in Egwene. I know it's really bad. I probably shouldn't be enjoying it as much as I am. But it's like Egwene had a mirthless laugh. Leave it on her. She won't call for help even without a gag. You had better hope whoever finds you will remain. Will remove that Adam. And keep your little secret, Seda. Your dirty little secret, isn't it? Like she's haunting. She's yeah. being like, 
almost <laughs> maniacal. I understand she went through a lot of torture, so now she is enjoying the moment. But this is the first mm-hmm. time that we've seen her have straight out hatred. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the same kind of happens when, um, excuse me, when our, our, our next person walks in the door, when Raina comes in, and she just like right away just like goes at her, like hits her in the gut with a, what was it? I'm trying to find the exact quote. With the, yes, with the picture, thank you. <laughs> it's perfect. It says, uh, before anyone else could move, Egwene snatched the picture from her washstand and smashed it in Raina's midriff. That, like, that's just, well, because we know the story uh, about the picture before that she was telling men. So that's like, that's just perfect that that's what she used at that very moment. And also, I, I think in writing, you call it poetic justice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, so I'm, I'm over here clapping and like, woohoo. But you're right to point out this significant change that happened, Chris. Uh, she didn't look to Nynaeve like for permission or like questioning like what should we do here so she, she just acted, leaped at her like, with right a off snarl shoving her flag grabbing her uh f- grabbing for the collar she had worn where it still lay on the floor snapping it around the other woman's neck with one jerk of the silver leash Egwene pulled the bracelet from the peg fitted it to her own wrist her lips were pulled back from her teeth her eyes fixed on Raina's face with a terrible concentration Kneeling on the Saddam's shoulders, she pressed both hands over the woman's mouth. Raina gave a tremendous convulsion, and her eyes bulged in her face. Hoarse sounds came from her throat. Screams held back from Egwene's hand. Her heels drummed on the floor. I, Egwene went ham. <laughs> she was killing her, <laughs> wow. like, just mentally killing her. And not mentally. She uh, was she's yeah, trying I mean, to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, like you just trying yeah, to kill it. <laughs> just Egwene is if if don't you have to ask the question for the last five chapters? Egwene takes the cake. <laughs> yeah. So then they, they do stop Egwene, and she breaks on crying. Um, and, and they leave the two sold them there pegged on, in the room, uh, pegged on the pegs, and so they unleashed. Wait, so uh, the two sold him are in the room uh, pegging? Yeah, 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 that, that, yeah, yes. That what we're, yes. <clears throat> interesting. And then, and then they exit the building and they say they have to leave Bella because they have to go by a ship, uh, which is really sad. I would like to bring Ooh. something up here. Nine Eve go for it. talks about women's justice. She does. And I love this so much because since she was the wisdom, she had to dispense justice and she said well men first says because they're talking about uh Egwene once says that i wish i could kill them and men says they deserve it and elaine says rand would kill someone who did this thing i'm sure he would and nynaeve says perhaps they do and perhaps he would but men often mistake revenge and killing for justice. They seldom have the stomach for justice. So she talks about the women's circle and she says, the women's circle gave mercy where it was deserved, but justice always. So for her, 
killing them would mm. not have been justice because they deserve to suffer because whoever finds them is going to interrogate them using the ADOM at the very least, if not leaving them collared. And that's justice. That's women's justice. Completely agree. Mm. I think that in and of itself just goes to, it does speak a lot of truth in the sense that, I can't remember which um, philosopher said it, it's like men will go out and kind of make the quick, rash decision and be done with the situation. Um, and that's why they're left to, to go to work. And that's about it. They don't, they're not left to manage much more as where a woman will really take and weigh things out. I can't remember which philosopher said that is like a woman will take the time to weigh things out and really make a determined point. And by the time a man really catches up, he's already 10 steps behind. (laughs) (laughs) There's some truth to that. I've experienced it once or twice in my life. Anyways, so so they they leave, they leave and the streets are empty, uh, which is kind of strange because normally it's going crazy. And then they see soldiers coming, and Nadiv's trying to think through it. Like they can't be coming for us. Like there's too many soldiers. They don't know about us yet there's no way alarms have been sounded they'll probably walk right past us and as they get closer and closer Gwen's just like screw this i'm not being taken back and just unleashes hell and throws like earth and breaks everything up and uh, the, the earth erupts and the soldiers fall through and, and the yeah next thing time she was really captured like, i'm having a hard time like keeping <laughs> up because just her shift in personality so, yeah, was um, huge, and her ability to control that much power. So, they, so, so, Egwene is captured at September twenty fourth, nine ninety eight, uh, uh, New Age, uh, New Era. Um, so, September twenty fourth, the uh, this would have been, um, so this would have been uh, November twenty sixth. So, two months. Yeah, that sounds about right. And so, remember, right off the bat. Um, they were trying to push her to use her power to explode mm-hmm. that tree. And Egwene, I guess, didn't even really try, but didn't believe that she could. And from what we knew, all she really knew how to do was sit in a room with a bunch mm-hmm. of chicks and juggle balls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's had, she wasn't just tortured for these two months, uh, I'm sure, because they wanted to use her as a weapon. Uh, they were teaching her things and expanding mm-hmm. her abilities. Uh, and unfortunately now she's using mm-hmm. that against them. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious as we go forward, not just through the end of this book, but in, in books ahead, like how much can she actually do? And and does she get to be more like Nynaeve where she has this confidence and realizes that there's a lot she can do that even the ladies in Tarvalon were not teaching her and maybe she learns to do more I mean, on I her own. I think she's already at that point. So, like, in my mind, she wasn't necessarily triggered by anything. She just unleashed that power. Like, she knew that they were coming. She didn't want to go back. But, like, you have Nynaeve who needs anger. She needs something to feed it. That's where Gwen could already tap into the source 
and now she's using it yeah. exponentially better in two months this is what she's come to do mm-hmm. by juggling balls to breaking up the ground and hurling okay. like she's well beyond where she should be right now at this point so i just wonder like they've had some really effective training. Like what was it that was done? Was it more or less a mental block that was stopping them from being able to channel the way that she is now? Or was it some type of physical training that she went through? I'm just, I'm interested to know how the Damane are, are trained and formed. So okay. that's just a question mark. Well, it's interesting that you see the difference between what they're learning in the white tower and what they've learned here as Damane. Um, it's called forcing to make someone learn quickly. And maybe, maybe the Shan Shen have more uh, girls that they, that they can put through this training. And if they burn themselves out, um, may, maybe that's why they can afford to push them. Maybe there's another reason why they can afford to force them, but they can't, afford, they can't afford to do yeah, that yeah. in the white tower. They don't have enough girls. And so they kind of coddle them and go very slowly because they don't want them to burn themselves out. So she has been forced faster and to expand her abilities and it is biting the Oshan Chan in the butt right now oh for sure well and i guess there's also inherent danger in that so i know it's a numbers game for tarvalon also but they probably also realize that these women need to mature a certain way uh emotionally and mentally to match the powers that they're learning you don't want to have someone that's wildly emotionally immature have all sorts of power and ability because then they might get mad at somebody and destroy a village right so Mm -hmm. that's part of it too yeah i would think yeah yeah so back to this chaotic scene they're outside Egwene fucks up some soldiers and next thing they know a fireball is kind of like over the building arcing over towards them uh they jump out of the way and then more fireballs are coming they run they hide the corner and naive starts to call down lightning and so is Egwene, everyone. It's just full-on battle of power going on now. I think this is fantastic. And then we switch characters. So before we do that, anything you guys want to add to this final crazy madness and mayhem that's going on? I do. <laughs> okay. So sure. at the beginning of yeah. 90s point of view, we see her placed in time and space by where she is mm. noticing what's going on one street over and seeing Lord Turok's banner. Well, now at the end of this, we see 90s response. There's this fireball the size of a horse coming at them and they have to duck for it. And she immediately responds by throwing lightning back in that direction. So I want you to notice mm-hmm. at the beginning of every point of view from the next, like for the next three points of view, lightning is mentioned. And that lets us know exactly mm-hmm. where all these other people are at this exact same time at the beginning of this fight with the women. Yeah. yeah the lightning, the lightning part, uh, I was definitely picking yeah. up on everybody's yeah. seeing mm-hmm. it. So yeah. It's all yep. coming together. Yeah. Yeah. So you get this really quick, 
quick point of views next. So you got Bill Doman, and he sees lightning. Um, and the crew's trying to cut the boat free, and Toman stops them, saying, you know, hey, we got the girls, we got to wait for them. And, you know, he gave him his award. Oh, and that's kind of the end of the Doman scene. super cool, though. It's like Doman sees the upraised axe with one hand and the man's throat with the other. <laughs> spray don't stay, or, or spray do I can't do it the way you do, Ian. Spray to stay till I say sail. <laughs> I try, guys, but I'm not the best when it yeah. comes to voices. But anyway, I just that was a badass scene. Like I don't know how big Doman really is, but in my mind, he grew to the size of a giant in that scene. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I did have this question, and I really don't have an answer myself because I don't know Bill Doman well enough yet. But did he? Is he standing his ground here because he's such a man of his word and he told the girls he would wait? Or is he doing it more out of self-preservation knowing that he's not going to get out of there unless he has those girls? I like to think he's doing it because he's a hmm. man of honor. I see. I get that feeling too. Like he might be willing to do some shady deals here and there, but you know, in his own world, like yeah. his word means something. Like that's the vibe I get from him. So, But I also think he's not stupid. I think he knows if he's going to sail out of there, oh, yeah, he's going to need their help. All right, so now we're off to Bornhold. Take us yep. away, Alan. All right, so yeah, we switched we switched the Bornhold, and he sees lightning as well over Falma, and uh, sees some strange creatures flying over, and he tells Bayer, "It's time, go ahead and run. Um, give my orders to the Lord Captain Commander. Tell him what happened here. Um, it's, it's time to battle. So you leave, and they start to, to march forward towards Falma, the White Cloak Line. So." And then ran. Yeah, we have to get the line right because we, we come back to them. And he raised his voice. He says the Legion will advance at a walk. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it builds up as we go. And I've got right. all those on the line. And I, I, I'm just picturing it, how it's going to be on the show. And uh, this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> this, the, the end of this book is probably, I would say my third, well, um, third favorite ending. Maybe it's it's up there at the top, the top, maybe top three. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah, Dragon Reborn is a solid ending, but Lord of Chaos, uh, yeah, book six is the best ending. You can't take away from, yeah, anyways, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there eventually. Ten years later, <laughs> remember, guys, I told you, I told you that would be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we end the Bornhold scene. They would switch the rant. And Rand's back in Fal- in Falma. He's uh he's trying to find a way out. The others have have left. It's just him and Ingtar left in the alleyway together, and they kind of got out in time. But Rand held back with Ingtar, and they're kind of stuck because the soldiers have now shown up, and they see lightning in the sky again. Um, and Rand starts thinking about Egwene, like what the hell's going on? And all of a sudden, Ingtar starts talking about dying and how. How he could, you know, one man could hold fifty men in this alley, you know, and, exactly. and all this weird Beyond stuff. The, and Rand's just like, what the, hell the feeling of the pull of the wheel. So Rand yes. is now yeah. actually feeling the threads of the wheel, which I guess is going mm-hmm. to remain significant mm-hmm. throughout the remainder of the next twelve books. What, but, do you, what do you mean specifically by he's feeling the pull of the wheel? Well, he said Egwene was one piece, one thread of the cord that made his life. But there were others, and he could feel them threatened. So not maybe not necessarily the, the 
feeling the wheel, but feeling the threads. And of course the threads are attached mm-hmm. to the wheel. And so he's, he's feeling connections now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's an expansion of his power or like it, it, as he's becoming to realize that he's not necessarily Rand Althor anymore. And he's starting to gain maybe some of his sense of being somebody else. He's now feeling the pull of these threads and the other mm-hmm. lifelines attached to his. Well, I really like that you mentioned the wheel specifically mm-hmm. because we know we say know the phrase the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, and it's weaving the threads of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so he's feeling Egwene's thread and others pulling on him. And this was mentioned in his last POV when he was with Lord Turok, when after he had seen Egwene, he kept started feeling this pull and it started distracting him. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see this going forward. Yep. Yeah. That was, Good that catch, was the Chris. thing that really stood out to me and it keeps coming back up. Like he feels it. He feels it. He feels it's an urge and urge and urge. And then it makes me wonder, well, when will he be able to start manipulating these threads as well? If you can feel it, you right. should be able to grab hold of it yeah. and yank on it a little bit. Yeah. So. I mean, he, he is to be. Yeah. But yeah. 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 So Inktar's talking about dying, talking about straight up, and then he starts giving this little speech where it's really subtle at first. He just talks about this pale man that he met in Faldara. And Rand's like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Like, what do you say? Um, and it keeps going on and on. So I'll let you guys take this one because this is by far a heartbreaking scene Not for most people. Oh. I knew this. Oh, okay. <laughs> some people, <laughs> some people that love Ingtar. I knew this was it. coming. <sighs> Just put it out there. Be done with it. Okay. I never knew yeah. what he was going to do. Ingtar said softly, as if talking to himself. He had his sword out, testing the edge with his thumb. A pale little man didn't seem to really notice, even when you were looking at him. Take him into Faldara, I was told, inside the fortress. I did not want to, but I had to do it. You understand. I had to. I never knew what he intended until he shot that arrow. I still don't know if it was meant for the Amerlin or for you. Rand felt a chill. Mm. He stared mm. at Ingtar. What are you saying? He whispered. So I, I will, I will say this. So um, I get my bonus point right. What I got wrong was Ingtar's reason why. I, I think early on, and we knew there was someone in their ranks that was a dark friend. I was just looking for any kind of mention by Jordan of any one of these guys that might feel marginalized or overlooked or left out um, where he might want to get some sort of revenge or something like that. And remember, Ingtar missed out on his big battle and he, you know, he didn't necessarily agree with some of the orders he was given, but you know, he did them. So that's kind of why I picked it. But then it's more like from his twisted perspective, Ingtar actually thought he was making a good choice. He starts explaining afterward. He says, human nations fall and vanish. Dark friends are everywhere. And none of these Southlanders seem to notice or care. We fight to hold the borderlands, to keep them safe in their homes. And every year, despite 
all we can do, the blight advances. And these Southlanders think Trolloc are myth and Midgel's a gleeman's tale. Well, and, yeah. and, he, and he mentions better the shadow, I thought, than useless oblivion, like Caroline or Hardon. And if you go back to chapter 10, when they begin their, um, their chase after Fane and the Horned, they go through some of these empty places and see like a manor somewhere. And he goes into some of this in there. And so he gives you basically his motivation way back then at the beginning of this journey that he went with them, where he talks about mm. Harad Dakar, the capital city of Hardon, which was which nation this once was that we are now that we are riding across. And there are other places on the map, like the Caroline Grass, that is a huge open area that um, Egwene and Perrin go across, where there's nothing there except some ruins and an empty steading. And so he talks about these, and he talks about, well, and, and um, um, Loyal also talks about how, like, over time, people had like their crops failed or this happened or the other thing happened. And mm -hmm. he said, it was quite a quarry, Harad Dakar. That's hard none. Um, it was quite a quarry for almost a hundred years. People left finally and then the city was hauled away stone by stone. All faded away and what was gone is fading. Everything, everywhere, fading. There's hardly a nation that truly controls the land it claims on a map. And there's hardly a land that claims today on a map what it did even a hundred years ago. And then skipping down, he says, we are being swept away, humankind, swept away like flotsam on a flood. How long until there is nothing left but the borderlands? How long before we two go under and there is nothing left but Trollocs and Neardraw? all the way to the sea of storms mm, so he, he he got to a point where he he thought the war was already lost right i mean he's been he's been on the front lines looking at it and like everything you were just describing zul you know it didn't click then when we went through it but this guy's seen the worst of the worst and he's looking around and he's like for what for what why why are we doing this it's yeah. a losing battle so might, might as, well as well just join, join the bad guys because they're gonna win yeah Great. Let, let me get my little plot of land and my title with them and see how that works out. Yeah. So, I certainly don't agree with it, but uh, it's one of those things I can, I can understand it. Yeah. Why he made that decision and it sucks, but yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, at this point after meeting Rand, he has a turn of fate and that's kind of why he's telling Rand this is because he's seen Rand and I think he realizes now there is hope, but you know, he's walked so far along in the shadow and he gives them a little speech that, you know, not the, they, they do say that no one can walk so long in the shadow that cannot be, be come back to light. And maybe by me doing this and sacrificing myself, maybe, just maybe, it can redeem my soul. You know, and it's kind of his logic and why he sacrificed himself for everyone else. It's like, I'm going to try to do a little bit of good at the very end, at the very end, at least try to redeem myself. Yeah, I actually like Rand's response. It's like super simple, but I feel like I say this to people in so many situations, but he's like, um, oh, lightning tar. I, I think 
I think wanting to is enough. I think all you have to do is just stop being one of them. Just, just fucking stop it. Okay. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, uh, doctor, doctor, it, it, you know, it hurts when I move my arm like this. Well, just don't fucking move your arm like that. Why are you doing that? If it hurts, that's stupid. Like mm-hmm. when, when you realize what you're doing is a, a problem, you just got to, you know, nip in the bud sort of thing. So very simple response, but yeah, I, I resemble that. I, I give that advice to people all the time. Definitely. They never appreciate it because it's never that easy, but you know. No, Chris I'm thoughts? just having a good time listening to all the thoughts. <laughs> so we're solid on the fact yeah. that Ingtar is a what? Oh, he's a dark friend. For he's sure. a dark friend. Dark friend. Yeah. Okay, he I wanted to social, ask you bro. that. Was uh, he at the social? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's just dabbling in it. I think he was at the social because when he was explaining it to him, oh gosh, and Chris read it. He says like, "I didn't want to, but I was told." I didn't want to, but I had to. You understand? I had to. Like he was under under control, compelled, like mm-hmm. no choice. I don't think this was. Uh, they were threatening his family. I think they had a firm grip on him. Uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like. Mentally, mentally, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So he mm-hmm. was he was following his orders that he got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Inktar even said like even when he went to the stove and he saw all these p- past lives, yeah. every single one of them he was a dark friend. Like so, it's just more, yeah, the more just like he was all always right. meant to be. So looking back on. Yeah. How weird he was being about the horn. Do you have a different perspective on his desire for getting the horn now than you did as you were reading it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I know originally I, I thought was that he was looking right. for to bring glory to the people and salvation to the people. And now we realize it's more about bringing salvation to himself. Like he has to find a way to outweigh the evil that he has done by bringing good back to the land. Mm-hmm. So my perspective and take on it definitely has changed. It's still singularly focused on some form of glory for himself. and But it's more or less like glorification of the people versus purification through glorification. Mm-hmm. Like purifying the soul. So, yeah, and, you know, there, there's something to that. He did stand ground and he did fight and he did die for the cause. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be easy on him. Okay. Yeah. So I think so, too. I think that's a good way to look at it. Like at first when I went through this, I'm thinking in my mind, like, why isn't Rand flipping out on him? Like you would think at this point he would find out and Rand be like, you son of a bitch. Like, think of all of the problems that they've gone through because of just that uh, incident um, at Faldara. But Rand Rand is suffering through his own struggles himself. Um, mm-hmm. And it may not be temptation of being a, a dark friend, per se, but, like, um, I, I just think with all of the internal emotional struggles he's having, mm-hmm. he's empathizing or able to look at it. And like I said, you know, I don't agree, but I understand. 
and it doesn't matter about anything that happened up to this point. Like right now you have a chance to make a choice mm-hmm. and it could be to do good mm-hmm. or you could continue being a douchebag. So yep. it's gotta be. So I, yep. I like that response. And then we end the chapter with Hiran coming back and Rand telling him that Antar is going to fight. And you know, Antar tells Rand to go. They leave, and Antar turns to fight the Shachin. And that's the end of the, the chapter. So between this and the and the rest of the book, like it's kind of funny. I've grown to love Hiran, and I, I think Chris, you know, you probably have also. Most readers have, but at the end of this book, he's totally clueless as to what what's actually going on around him like everywhere he turns he's like what the fuck wait why what, what, why is Antar this why is this and then at some point we're coming up and they're like oh we're gonna go fight a battle and uh here and you just stay here and here it's like what the fuck i'm a soldier why would you tell me to stay here clearly i'm gonna go fight what the fuck is going on with you people yeah. just you know, head spinning around and has no idea what's happening but yeah still love him but final thoughts on this chapter guys no all right, moving on to chapter 47. The grave is no bar to my call. And the icon is the horn. We talked about this last time. You were talking about Fane again because you guys love Fane so much to come back in there. But, um, yeah, this is definitely about the horn. So Yeah, we're <laughs> completely off the mark. That's okay. Yeah, but it's okay. It's okay. You guys, you guys did predict somewhat. I give you guys a plus one, minus one on this one because you did think that someone else would. So we'll get to that point. But um, yeah, but but there, 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 it's it's a wash. We'll, we'll keep going. So, yeah. So um, we'll start the chapter. It's uh, it's Rand and, and Heron coming out to meet with the rest of the party, and it's just Matt and parents sitting there, and they're like, "Where's Ingtar?" And like, "Yeah, he's back there dying." He's not, <laughs> he's not coming with us. And Rand explains that he sacrificed himself. And they actually hear Ingtar cry as they run away. And that's how we, yeah. we mm-hmm. start, start this chapter. So, uh, let's how, how, cool, how cool of Rand to uh, keep Ingtar's dark secret and just let him make the sacrifice and, and not call him out to even his close friends, Matt and Perrin and whatnot. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Pretty yes, and, and the fact that he gave him he the grave rights basically before yeah. he left, and that's what Huron was like, "What?" Because yep. he hears that and he knows, like, you know, that you say that only for people who are in the light, mm-hmm. you know, the like the last embrace of, embrace of the mother. Yeah. So yeah, and then we get the the first mention of of Rand thinking that. Death is lighter than a feather. Duty is heavier than a mountain. Which is actually a phrase that I think Land gave him. Yes. In the, in the, in the mm-hmm. beginning of the book. But um, yeah. this is where he starts to repeat that phrase, uh, which is one of the favorite Willetown uh, quotes, which is Death is lighter than a feather. Duty is heavier than a mountain. Um, which, fun trivia fact, uh, was not an original uh, quote from. Robert Jordan. Um, he was asked about it because people loved the quote so much. And instead, he actually stole. Uh, I think it was from an Asian tradition. Um, Google says Confucian, so it's an ancient mm-hmm. Confucian, Confucius quote. Yeah. Well, Confucius was Chinese, so it was, so, it was yeah. a good pick and well placed. So it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun little trivia fact there. Confucius. Confucius says. So Confucius says. Death is lighter than a feather. Duty is heavier than a mountain. Um, 
and of course, Rand starts thinking about Egwene again, but stops because <laughs> Rand wants to go back for Egwene, um, but that's not happening because at this point, this is where they start seeing what's happening coming out of the city. City. Well, and you know they have the conflicting duties, and you know Matt and Perrin are pointing out we've still got to get the horn to Farron. Like we can't just run back into wherever with the horn. So right. trying to trying to hash all that out. Well, yeah. and I, I really love the way in these this chapter and the two previous ones. Each time it mentions a person, you almost get like, what is important to this person? What is this person's mission or goal? And so you have Inktar or Huron mentioning the horn. And you have Matt. He just chucks the horn over a wall. He just like straps it to his <laughs> saddle like it's just any other horn. But that dagger, he has that dagger like in his belt. He's like definitely like touching it all the time you know he, he caresses it he caressed, caressed the dagger's hilt that ain't just yeah. a little touch that's yeah. intimate that's very intimate and so and then you have rand who's kind of scattered he's like he doesn't know which way to go because he has all these different things pulling him in different directions threads so. duties lights what's <laughs> happening to me exactly so yeah so matt is the one that actually is like Rand, we got to take the horde back to Varen. We'll come back for Gwen once we get everything settled. But let's get back to them first. We'll regroup, then go back. And at that point, they look back and see thousands of Shanshan shoulder sol- soldiers <laughs> uh, forming ranks. And then Matt's best line. Well, one of his best lines. All that for us? <laughs> 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 Jesus, that's a bit overkill. God, what's... <laughs> Right. Who did you guys piss <laughs> off? <laughs> yeah, and, and as Matt's thinking it's about them, here it notices that the white cloaks are forming on the other side of the battlefield, and you have an entire legion of white cloaks ready to go to battle. And they're kind of right in between these two, I mean, thousands of soldiers. I mean, I think the Sanchez thousands, probably the white cloaks are hundreds, but still, it's it's a not a place to be in the middle. Not a good place. Um to be standing in well, the middle of the field. <laughs> there's only one way to get out of this situation. When you're when you're stuck in a situation like that, wild card bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt 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 sizes up the situation really fast. Everybody else is panicking, and he just goes, "Well, can't fucking go that way. Can't fucking go that way." Looks at the horn. It has to be there at the last battle. This is true. Says it matter of factly. Matter of factly, but nothing says it can't be used before then. <laughs> and everybody goes, ah, oh, actually, <laughs> actually, you're kind of right. That's we're not going to stop you, brother. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I, I have I have my notes. The the match yellow movement. He's like yellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. So uh, you know this goes back to men's first viewing of the boys and one of the things she talks about around uh matt was the horn so perhaps this is why matt matt gave it a little toot yeah yeah so men, men, yeah men's viewing and back in the eye of the world matt was with the horn so yeah. i did one of you predict that someone would blow the horn or matt would blow the horn i think way back when men let me go back to my I, yes, the, one of them did predict that. I don't know which one, but <laughs> yeah, we had Matt blowing the horn, but then 
it's kind of conflicting because recently I was thinking like someone else other than from our party would have blown it first and they would have to go kill that person to get control of it. But, so I kind of jumbled that yeah, one out. I think based on heritage and lineage, I think we decided it would be Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. When you were looking at the Sean Shan army lined up there that they're facing because they fight folks on one side and Sean Shan on the other, did you take note of all the different creatures they had? I mean, they had the Grom, which they saw mm-hmm. in yeah, the Yeah, so they had almost but not quite like monstrous birds and lizards and great things like nothing he could describe with gray wrinkled skin and large tusks. At intervals along the lines, of course, the Sudan and the Mane. So, yeah, it mentions, you know, Groms and then essentially three to four other, like, mm-hmm. monstrous birds, yeah. lizards, and then something with gray skins with huge tusks. So, yeah. These that cr- crazy. They're Does not from so, 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 what, what, what's something we have in real life that has gray skin and huge tusks? Or an elephant. Elephants. Like I'm envisioning that scene from Lord of the Rings with the yeah definitely yeah with the oliphants. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But here's now, nah, and those didn't all come over on no damn ships. I'm sorry. <laughs> no way. They're um, good swimmers. Well, you know what? Maybe they can breathe through their tusk, and they don't have to come up for air. Then yeah. maybe it's porpoise. At the very tip. Uh, uh, they're they're uh, narwhals. narwhals. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Bye, bye. With their large tusks. Their large tusks. So, so, um, so, yeah. So he blows the horn, and then the fog starts to rise very slowly. Um, gets thicker and thicker, and we cut to Bornhold. So, and we cut to Bornhold hearing the horn, this glorious note sound, like the heavens. Um, and, and, you know, it almost reminds me of like, you know, they, they talk about, you know, end times in Christianity, that when you hear the horn sound from the heavens, that's the sign of, you know, the end of days. Um, that, that right. it's, it's almost like this, you know, Bornhold's up in this cliff, and all of a sudden it's just like this, all from everywhere, this beautiful horn sound comes through. Um, he, he thinks it's the Shan Shan that are doing something. Right. So he, they, you know, they start to go faster and faster and he orders a charge. But yeah, he makes a no. note. He's like, the sound, as the sound filled the air, so sweet he wanted to laugh, so mournful he wanted to cry. It seemed to come from every direction at once. A mist began to rise, growing even as he watched. The Shan Shan, they're trying something. They must know we're here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Legion will advance that try. Yeah. He's, yeah. He still kept us cool. He still led mm-hmm. his men forward at a realistic pace. So they weren't tiring themselves out before they got to the battle. He was still, Until shit hit the fan. Exactly. I was going to mm-hmm. say, he's still leaving some space for error in judgment when yeah. it comes to tools. Trying to try maintain control, you know? And then abruptly, the ground ahead flew up with a roar, showering him with dirt and pebbles. From the white blindness to his right, he heard another roar, and men and horses screamed. Then from his left, and again, again, thunder and screams, hidden by the fog. The Legion will charge! And there's your charge, Alan. 
It's mm-hmm. a, the buildup. You did a beautiful job of that one. <laughs> yeah. So how does this point of view end? Mm. This point of view ends with uh, with or with um, uh, Bornholm thinking of regret. Yeah, but his last thought. So that that tells us he died. Well, that suggests he died. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty final. Uh, and I guess regret, you know, buyer not being able to, with the fog and everything, not be able to see, not be able to tell exactly what happened. So, do you think he actually died? I mean, I I think so. Okay. I, like, I, so I I underline that line. The his last thought was regret. Um, you know, when when uh, Chris and I clung to Tom still being alive everything you read around the situation there was nothing final about it there was no obvious proof there wasn't language that made it like he absolutely died and so that's why i held out hope Mm -hmm. but that line last thought of regret i mean it's his last thought he's either dead or brain damaged (laughs) (laughs) might as well Mm -hmm. be dead all right i'll buy that yeah (laughs) that's my thought (laughs) but not my last thought Oh, thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> Good job. I know we were talking about the elephants, but there are these flying creatures as well that they see on the battlefield. And they're mentioned as 20 spans tip to tip from their wings, right? 20 spans in the Wheel of Time universe is 120 Wheel of Time feet. When you calculate that in you know, colonial terms, Americans, um, then you have a hundred feet wingspan. And that is massive. So that's pretty darn impressive. And we have not... It's def- definitely an African swallow. The European one, no. not that right. big. Yeah. Not yeah. That big. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like to be African. I like to be African. <laughs> that's huge yes yeah. that's, it is think about that that's amazing so you do kind of have a point like these creatures did these fleet creatures like fly all the way across or are they like sitting on a deck somewhere on on a ship that's crazy well according to Chris maybe they didn't actually come across the water maybe there was some other way they were transported or came from somewhere else or i don't know i mean this could this could even be a different mirror universe that they slid through i like i don't know but it does seem strange yeah like for all of this to hop on a boat and come across Mm -hmm. that's that just seems very improbable well they did have their boats but these these, this group traveled through the ways or something yeah, yeah, yeah. The shadow of the zone from a yeah. whole other time. So then we switch back to our Rand's point of view, and the heroes start to show up, uh, and they know them all. These are all heroes from Tales, and they know them by sight. Like this, because I guess when they tell these stories, like they've been so descriptive that when they start to see these people, they reckon, you know, Rand recognizes these got these characters. Mm. Um. Rogosh Eagle Eye. See, that's not the way I read read that. I read it as more Rand knew them. Like, Like biblically? (laughs) If you want to call it that. Some of them, probably. (laughs) You know, when war happens, things occur. 
it is it is so yeah well yeah i guess yeah that too i guess yeah that's probably the better way yeah that he'd do them but but yeah that's how it kind of seemed to me is like so he he could even recognize the face of the captain oh i'm sorry because there was two different things that ran realized in that moment first that he could see outside of himself he was really literally feeling seeing everything going on around him around the battlefield Mm -hmm. he was seeing every individual person that he kind of connected with essentially and then he saw Mm -hmm. all the the heroes coming and he was just like he more than saw them he like recognized them for who they were and he had a, a deeper mm-hmm. connection. So, you mean like he knew them personally? Yes, like he knew them personally. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and the, at the head of the of this hero group is Archer Hawkwing himself, um, who comes up and calls Rand Loose Theron. Wait, but first, uh, but first they all pull up, and Rand looks at him and goes. Is is this it? <laughs> That's yeah. what he said. <laughs> I thought there'd be was more. It, like, was it, it Randy who said that, or was it Matt? Matt, yeah, Matt said it. Matt, Matt said, yeah. is, this, is, is this is this all of you? Is this? <laughs> I mean, is this all of you? <laughs> I mean, because we worked pretty hard to get this freaking horn, and we were told y'all would I show up and kick ass and take names. More than bravery to bind a man to the horn. Or woman. Okay, yeah. yeah, got you. Or woman, Hawking agreed. Yep, I like how we got corrected there. That was, was very yeah. appropriate because we have some badass women here that are getting ready to do some fighting as well. Heck mm-hmm. yeah. My girl, Brigitte. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or Brigitte. Brigitte. Yeah, and um, yeah, Alter then they call Rand loose there. And Rand's like, my name is kind of denying it a little bit. <laughs> he, he didn't deny it. He snapped at him. Like, these are the heroes, and he had the audacity to snap at them. Like, my name is Randall Thorey. Okay, okay, Liz. Uh, <laughs> and look, look how quickly I, you know, I said all these positive things about Rand, and right here he ruins it. Now he's a whiny little moron. It's my name's Randall Thor, and my dad is Tam. Like, come on, dude. No, no, you're wrong. And well, no, I joking with them. Like you always choose woman who can't, uh, who cause you trouble. Yeah. there, and like that was the best part of it for me. I was like, ah, look at you get called out. What you get? <laughs> All these badass heroes, and Rand starts like almost whining, begging, like you got to help my girlfriend. And they just look at each other and go, hey. <laughs> it's like somebody hands somebody else like five pieces of gold coins, and be like, told you, it's a girl with. <laughs> We got the thousandth time, quite literally, that we bailed you out. It's like, we got 99 pounds. We didn't have to take you on that bet. You win every time. Uh, every time. <laughs> she has the uh, There isn't much time. Brigitte. Is it, how do you pronounce it? Is it Brigitte? Well, Brigitte. It's either Brigitte or Brigitte. Either way, she's like, time, we have all of time. She's like, we're dead. Like, it doesn't matter to us. We're good to go. Okay, let's talk about let's talk mm-hmm. about where they're talking. Like, they're in the fog. Above Falma, below Falma. Where are they? Where are they having this conversation? 
Hmm. What was your impression of this? That Ram was high all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, Jesus, well, I don't know. I I, in my mind, up. they were still like, on the the battlefield because it wasn't just mm-hmm. Rand alone. There was Rand. There was Matt. Yeah, you know. But Rand, but Rand did see Falma below. Okay. Yeah, Rand Already. did. But okay, so at the very Rand's at the beginning of Rand's point of view, it says like the the um. The fog hid everything in rolling waves of white as the finest bleached wool. Yet Rand could see. He could see, but it was mad. Falma floated somewhere beneath him. And he talked about the Shanshan <clears throat> ranks there. Falma hung over his head. And he talks about the white clothes, white cloaks charging there. So when Brigitte talks about, we have all the time in the world, what are you talking about? We're just, you know, like, you know, unlimbering our swords and stuff. It's kind of like something really weird is happening. So mm-hmm. it's mean, time so, to like freeze and stop while they're having this conversation. I mean. Because they're not kind of. Yeah. So uh, another callback and you guys might catch this on our reread. But just because we're not going to do that, at least not in the plans right now. Um, if you go back to that chapter where Moraine is looking through the prophecies of the dragon, mm-hmm. if you remember, one of the prophecies was that the dragon will appear above Falma. And they were looking at the map and thinking, what's north of Falma? And there was Saldea. And they're thinking that maybe he's going to come in the, the nation of Saldea because that's north of Falma. And they quite uh, literally uh, meant and, that and, he was and, going to appear above Falma. They, 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 like, they were thinking two dimensional. Yes. Like a north, and like literally, he was going to appear above Falma. <laughs> but that but was anyway, later when they were battling. I, I like he charged, and I get, I get why you asked the question because like he charged, and then he was above Falma. Like he was fighting mm-hmm. the Alzheimer mm-hmm. for all to see. We get there. Sorry, spoiler. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. But even before that, when they're meeting everybody there, uh, he does say he's looking down a Falma. But then once he gives his order, they're now below him. So it's it, yeah. it's really confusing this scene um, because they, they he does tell them to go, but then they say no, we can't because we only follow the follow the banner. A banner. Of the dragon, so he goes and digs it out and says, "You mean this?" And like, yeah, that's it. Make a make a pole. Yeah, pair makes makeshift pole and lead him down. Question: Mm -hmm. Um, If Matt blew the horn, why are they addressing Rand and like following Rand? Hmm. Why why is he automatically in control? We have come to the horn, Horn, but but they follow the banner and the dragon. So was there ever any real fear of a dark friend blowing the horn and trying to use it for their own purposes? Wouldn't they still be drawn to the if dragon Rand and the banner? If was a dark friend, that would be the only point. I don't know. This, 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 this we go back to unreliable uh-huh. narrator. So there's a lot of stuff that's said about the horn that's just that they don't have a full understanding of how the horn works. Well, and yeah, they, I guess and now, and now, we're, now we're getting how yes. the horn works. Well, it's yeah. still gets even a little bit more confusing because in the well, we're gonna we're, we we'll get to it eventually. Let's keep going. Yeah. 
<laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so they get the banner out and they go forward. Hiran kind of come, wants to fight too, and Audra actually gives him a good old slap of the shoulder, saying, "One day, maybe you'll be a hero among us." Um, and that's when Audra Hawkwing turns to Matt and says, "You know, give us a tune to march towards." And Matt blows the horn again, and they move forward. And I, I love that the Archer like gives um, you know kind of a little nod to both Matt and Aaron. He calls one trumpeter and one bannerman. Like you have your jobs to do as well. Like we're not mm-hmm. yes we're here for the dragon, but you have your jobs and you're important as well. That's yeah. why Aaron needed new eyes so he could see through the fog better. There you go. Lead the charge, bro. Yeah. So before we really shift everything, anything you want to talk about this whole scene? I mean, we had the horn being blown twice. I was going to bust out a trumpet and blow it. My kids are sleeping. And <laughs> oh, that would be, uh, <laughs> be, be yeah. kind of bad. Your but, wife uh, yeah. would love that one. I'm <laughs> sure she would. Around our necks like halters. You are here. The banner is here. The weave of this moment is set. We have come to the horn, but we must follow the banner and the dragon. I there's like a moment of finality right here. It's like the weave of this moment mm-hmm. yes. is set. Like we're about to enter into a new point in time or there's something else coming. So I think Matt summarized it best right after that. He says, Fuck me. It's true. Well, then, like they then they accept yeah. their positions, their roles. Like, all right, I blew the horn, and parents mm-hmm. like, all right, if they need it, give me this banner and let me do what I'm supposed to do. So here they all kind of just like dropping mm-hmm. in place as mm-hmm. Lord Randolph Thor makes his big show of things mm-hmm. in the sky above. And you know what's crazy? You know who gave us the best? Uh... Uh, description of how this would happen. We got it from Beazelmon and how he's talking about how, you know, Ran, you're not going to be able to run from it. Like the the threads of the pattern, they're starting to pull tighter. The weave is getting thicker or something. I'm paraphrasing. But, and and at least at this point of this story, we're at a point where the pattern is set. This There's no more moving the threads around or anything like that. Like, we're all here. We got our role. This is about to go down. Like, you know, so that there's there's points along the journey where you can kind of make some changes or decide differently or stray a little bit or influence. But then there's certain points that are like just rock hard in time that are going to happen. And, and this is one of them. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think this is the first yep. time that someone other than an Aes Sedai has said definitively, you are the dragon. Right. And so this is Archer Hawkwing. And let's let's think about Archer Hawkwing in here for a second, because the Shanshan supposedly are like his descendants or something. We don't know. There's rumors of Archer Hawkwing's army coming back. But Archer Hawkwing of legend has said, you are the dragon. We are here for you. And so that's why Matt's like, oh, my God, it's true. You really are. And and Rand's like, no, I'm not. Tim's my daddy. 100%. He's like, 
Rand's not getting my vote this time, if you haven't noticed. And then he runs in his good old friend, Biazaman. Again, second book, and we're wrapping it up with a good old Biazaman battle. Yeah, exactly. So once again, he goes forward, and all of a sudden everything changes. The heroes are below him. Falme is below him. He's above everybody else. And there is Balsamon just standing there waiting for him. And gets thrown from his horse immediately, and they start to fight. <laughs> so, so let's, yeah. Let's talk about this whole scene. Get out of my way, he grated. I am not here for you. The girl, Biazman laughed. His mouth turned to flame. His burns were all but healed, leaving only a few pink scars. That were already faded. Which one, Luce Theron? You will not have anyone to help you this time. You are mine. You are dead. In which case, you are mine anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. even Bialzaman knows more about his past life than he does. That's kind of messed up. Like, we need Rand to start accepting the fact that he is not really Rand. Or that he is Rand. But he also is Luce Theron. That way he can start to grow and learn from his past mistakes and he can really captivate on what he needs to do. He also calls he calls Rand That's out for true. being a player. It's like which, which one? The girl? Which which one? <laughs> you, you got you got a, you got a whole team you're messing around with. Get your shit together. That's why you give them all different yep. nicknames. And, and at this point, unlike the last um uh, I think interaction with Rand, he actually does pull the power in immediately. Like versus when he was a blade master, he's fighting the other person. He resisted the power. This this point he just he knows his balls money. He's just he needs to use the power. Seeks the void, pulls the power in, starts the sword fight. Yeah, there's no mention of the out. tank unless I missed it. No, there's not in no, this scene. But, but I do like nope. that it's very clear he does three steps. He assumes the void, reaches for the true source, and is filled by the one power. Like it's very clear, bam, 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 and it's yeah. just he just instantly does it, like, but it one after the other just immediately goes for it. Yeah. Do all male? I feel you. Um, <laughs> I can't think of the word. Channelers. Channeler. Thank you. Have to seek the voice Channelers? first. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So they start to fight. Uh, he gets called loose Theron again. Rand denies he's loose Theron. Just no, my name's Rand. <laughs> and he's rage. Shut up. Use the title of "Father of Lies." I'm over you. You're the father of lies. You're just lying. Everything you're saying, load of shit. He's like, you know, nobody else would have lied to me. But then he's like, but but would they have lied to me? I don't want to be the Dragon Reborn. Like he he really did become a big crybaby. Yeah. But what it is? Yeah. But they keep doing their, their little sword forms and everything's going through and uh and 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 at, at some point Rand realizes that the battle below and their fight is linked. So every time he kind of advances, he realizes the Sean Chan are falling back and his forces are winning. But then when he starts to retreat, the Sean Chan start to actually gain force as well. Like that what he's doing is linked directly to what's happening below him. That is uh-huh. strange. Mm-hmm. But and ballsy here. <laughs> Makes he says something. He said, Will you remain a slug beneath a rock? Mm-hmm. He said, Biazman snarled. The darkness behind him boiled and stirred. 
You kill yourself while we stand here. The power rages in you. It burns you. It is killing you. He says, I alone in all the world can teach you how to control it. Serve me and live. Serve me or die. I think Biazman also realizes, like, or knows that Rand is the force against him, and he needs Rand to start to be one with him so that he can indeed control the entire world, or worlds, plural. So he's really trying to get Rand to embrace the darkness so that everybody can be filled with that same power. It's almost like Rand was feeding his forces while Biazman was feeding his. Right. Or that could have to do with that whole Taviran and the tie and mm-hmm. the fact that they're all strings connected to Luce Theron. And whenever he succeeds and he drives forward, then the others also succeed and go forward. So it just shows the interconnectedness of the wheel and then which essential link we're following. If you think about that whole concept of sewing or crocheting or whatever, mm-hmm. you follow the sync, the link prior, which mm-hmm. always goes to the first link or the main link. So, mm-hmm. so following that line of mm-hmm. thought, Whenever Balzaman is pushing forward, the Shanchan push forward. Whenever Rand pushes forward, the White Cloaks are pushing forward. So does that mean that he's aligned with the White Cloaks? Was it? Yeah, it was, uh-huh. was yeah. it White Cloaks? There are two so armies that yeah. each other, and one of them is the White Cloaks. I thought the heroes so thought, that were... I thought at this point... Maybe it's both. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. It yeah, does say the heroes. Okay. But the, the, the you're right. are alongside of them too. But the white cloaks are your neutrals. I guess I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I thought the white cloaks all gotten wiped out like right off the bat or something. But I guess that wouldn't make sense because I mean the white cloaks are genuinely fighting yeah. or have the idea that those that actually I don't know they really know about Rand. They know more about Perrin. But they're they're more or less neutral, mm-hmm. and if they had to side with somebody, it would be Rand. The only reason why they're differentiating is because they're kind of anti-magic in general. Mm-hmm. So if they were to align with a group, mm-hmm. it would have to be the heroes of old who align with the dragon reborn, so then they would align with Luce Theron. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or at least for the moment, if if they're in this fight on the side with our heroes, it could be the, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend or something like that. I mean, because clearly mm-hmm. coming in here, the White Cloaks were ready to okay. pick a fight with the Shanshin. Yeah, that, and that's what they were focused they on. They don't even realize that there are three sides to this fight. Like they don't know anything yeah. about the heroes yeah, of the Horn and and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rans- Ransel Company. Neither Shanshan or the White Cloaks even know what's going on with mm-hmm. that. Just something weird's happening, and and it's confusing to them. They're trying to fight each other, and there's a third group that's there. <laughs> Rand, Rand knows, notices yeah. something that about Balzaman because Balzaman says he doesn't know all. Yes. Oh yeah, that was the first thing I, that that like triggered in my mind is when he talks about the horn. He's like, you blew the horn. And Rand's like, oh, wait, you slipped up. You don't know all. 
because didn't I didn't fuck, blow the horn. You done fucked up, AA Ron. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, see, I, uh, I mean, the first that. thing that I picked up on was again, Biazman said they will not serve you. Those who might save you will be carried across the uh, Athral, o- whatever, the oh, ocean. The Aerith Ocean. The Aerith Ocean. There's my mm-hmm. first clue that oh. he was completely clued out of what's going on because the ladies have all escaped. We know this. If he was all seeing and all knowing, he would know that. And he's like, they would be collared slaves mm-hmm. and they will destroy you for their new masters. Nope, not the case. So he doesn't know that. And then, of course, he's gloating that he's won again. But then he makes these comments. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, you you really don't know what's going on. So, yeah. And then ran in a moment of, I guess, almost Zen-like ability. <clears throat> a moment of Zen. He realizes what he must do. <clears throat> and he starts. It was, it was yeah. another voice he heard then. Land's voice. There will come a time when you want something more than you want life. Inktar's voice. It is every man's right to choose when to sheathe the sword. Picture formed of Egwene, collared, living her life as a Tamane. Threads of my life in danger. Egwene, if Hawking gets into Falma, he can save her. Before he knew it, he had taken the first position of Heron waiting in the rushes. Balanced on one foot, sword raised high, open and defenseless. Death is lighter than a feather. Duty heavier than the mountain. We're up to like, was that four points for Ian? (laughs) (laughs) Four and a half because, you know, was it the blowing of the horn one? We're kind of, that was a wash. We get a half point on that. And that also tells you, like, we were just talking about how obviously Bazelman doesn't know everything, right? Like, this pose that Land taught him Everybody that's commented on it, or at least when he taught it to Rand, he was like, you know, don't ever actually use it. You, you know, you could strike a death blow with it, mm-hmm. but you're going to take a hit also. Uh, so Biazelman, Biazelman obviously doesn't know this because he sees the opening and he's like, you fool, you know, I'm going to kill you now. And yeah, that's when he does hand waiting the rushes, which is the form that, of course, Ian, you said that he would use against Balsamon. And he does. And Balsamon takes the spear and shoves it right into Rand, but that leaves Rand the opportunity to drive his blade home right and into the world heart exploded of in fire. Mm-hmm. And we end the chapter. <laughs> Final mm-hmm. thoughts. Anything we missed? Mm-mm. It it's really is. Chapter. Like it was a little psychedelic in the beginning because of the whole up, down, left, right, you know, hit X four times and you do your <laughs> combo. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did I hear that right? Yeah, and yeah. then when I went back and read it, I was like, I did hear it right. I still don't quite understand what's going on, other than the fact that he was kind of in an ethereal form and he was seeing all knowing and all seeing in that moment, which is like, all right, well, that's cool. And then it begs the question like, how much more power does he have than, than Beelzebub? But then again, like, like, right. that, like, that was my thought. But then he too didn't know what exactly was going on with Egwene and didn't know exactly what was going on with the other women. And his focus was solely on Egwene. He didn't focus on the other potential or possible helps 
like Biazamon did. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's singly focused on yeah. one woman yeah. when, you know, he's a, a hidden Mac Daddy. So, yeah. So okay. I, I started questioning here. Um, and, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, even more so when, um, when Moraine comes back uh, by the end here. We thought at the end of Eye of the World, or at least Rand thought at the end of Eye of the World, that he had destroyed Biazamon. Mm-hmm. And of course, Moraine is like, oh, yeah, he doesn't die that easy. And so he fights him again. And this time it seems pretty convincing that he destroyed Beazelmon, right? But I mean, yeah. <laughs> we've already been fooled one time. So <laughs> is, is this going to be the end of the book for the next couple of books where he has to fight <laughs> Beazelmon a couple more times? Um, don't Good know. Question. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there is a, you know, definite destruction of Beazelmon here. I think this okay. battle was won, but I, I think the war is far from over. Yeah. So we're only two books out of 15, so yeah. I'm not done yet. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's possible Beazelmon could be destroyed, and then you'd have to fill that void with some other bad guy, and we know we have Fane out yeah. there who's all sorts of fucked up, so we could shift direction and then we met a new lady towards that, but Beazelmon plans. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the question is, is on the dark one? Uh, so I'm already getting the feeling it will, we'll talk about this in, in the next chapter coming up and when we get Moraine, but, okay. um, sure. yeah, I, I, let, let's hold off on that. Okay. All right. Chapter 48, first claiming and the icons, the dragon's fang. Um, so I think once again, you guys have to go back to Fane. So I think he thought first claiming they would like our the shadow would claim one of the boys as like our Matt would turn to the shadow or something. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah. Had something, he had something strange predictions about this one, but no, you know, we it, has to do with it, it has to do with it has to do with our girl claiming our boy. Um, <laughs> so. but, but why is it the dragon's fang? Isn't that Sidine or is it something else? Well, it could also mean the dragon. Oh, uh, what else could it be? Hmm. Okay, we'll think about that. Y'all need to be working on this one. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> so we start the chapter with Min um, walking through the streets of Falmain. Um, the Sean Chain have gone. Uh, they they're in full retreat. Uh, the she looks out. She's the spray leaving the harbor too, thinking that you know. Well, I guess Bill waited as long as he could. And sees one last Donchan boat in the harbor, but then sees a horse ride out over the waves uh, with a woman who shoots a flaming arrow at the boat and blows it up. She's and the yin to his yang. Sorry, I'm going back to Zul's thought as you're reading. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, you mean Min is the yin to somebody no, else? No, I think our other... Oh, our, 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 our land, yes, thank you. Lan fears the yin to his so, yang. Mm. Oh, is that mm. what they're calling it these days? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to have an equal power to match yours to make all of the things in the world that require male and female parts. So yeah. she is his equal. Well, and so even if we're calling this a dragon fang, looking at it, it is equal parts, you know, black and white uh, could be uh-huh. still a combo of the male female. Right. Mm. Takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. There you go. At least two. <laughs> At least two. 
<laughs> so yeah. So let's start with this opening scene though. So we got the uh, ghost archer come down, light the fall mate, the last Sean Chan ship up in the harbor. So who is that? Brigitte. Yeah. Brigitte. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty slick. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that scene. Like I hope that they nail this when we get mm-hmm. that far into the show because that'll be what like the end of season two, if not like season four. Like how are they really gonna turn these books into individual seasons? Like I feel like there's so uh, much here. Yeah, that's been one of the things that people have been debating. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's you have fourteen books. And you can't have 14 seasons because you'll age out actors um, mm-hmm. in 14 years. Mm-hmm. So they get to at a faster pace, which is a lot of stuff to pack in. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Sorry, my mind went over. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what is we'll see. something I really appreciate about what Robert Jordan has done here with the heroes is Brigitte is a hero who talks to Archer Hawkling and says, uh, the women too. And then mm-hmm. when we get to see one of the heroes <laughs> fighting. So yeah. I really appreciate that he is giving like the women's prop, the women props as far as a fighter is concerned. Yeah. And an actual badass. I mean, yeah. Riding across water, shooting flaming arrows, yeah. sinking ships with her silver bow. No. You know, yeah, so that's great. Thanks, RJ. To his wife, too. Well, yeah, Yeah, for me, it would have been. And RJ has actually said that every woman he writes in the Wheel of Time has some aspect of his wife. Ah, see, that makes perfect sense. I mean, she was the one that was his editor, so and of course, that's his life partner, so Mm -hmm. he's gonna give a little nod there. She's a very strong woman, Harriet. So cheers mm-hmm. to you, Harriet, as well as cheers to RJ for this scene. Yay. Agreed. Very yeah. cool. So, yeah. And then we have, we flash to Rand that's unconscious. His blade is melted. Um, so that Tam's sword is pretty much all gone. Did men, like, see him that's... fall from the sky? Well, what does it say? It's her POV. What does it say? She more stumbled on him. No, she, she, she just pulled towards him. Okay. Oh, yeah. But so she's actually looking for Egwene and Lane and I even can't find them anywhere, but she feels pulled towards something. Uh-huh. It's the thread mm-hmm. pulling her towards him. <clears throat> that- well, it's because he knows he's in trouble and he needs her or someone. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not just her because he was pulling Egwene also. She just happened to get there first. And Elaine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's just not naive. There's no love connection there. He was tugging, <laughs> on, he was tugging on all the strings. Mm-hmm. The yeah, on, on, on those braids. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Min removes the sword and uh, his other hand now is branded with another hair. So. Mm, Tom told us uh, about this a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first Heron to such a way, second Heron to name you true, mm-hmm. I think it is. Yeah. So he's, he's truly named clumsy because uh, he doesn't know how to deal with hot things. That is what he's named. Yep. <laughs> and and the, the wound of the side is cauterized, but it feels like ice. Um, or Does so, it feel like ice, or does his whole body feel like ice? His body feels like ice. 
It's all body you feels nice. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> the perfect. Okay, so um, <laughs> um, so Ben drags Rand up into a bedroom, which I just imagine like head thumping like upstairs. <laughs> oh, well, come on! I mean, she has. She know you know she's gonna grab him like under the armpits or something, and his head's gonna be. Ne- yeah, yeah, and according, and according to to RJ, maybe her his head is like probably nestled in her bosom or something as like <laughs> dragging him. But this is not a tall woman here, and he is no, like man. a six foot five or something. You know, six foot. Four. Yeah, he's maybe not as big as. You know, as massive as Perrin, but he's a tall dude. So, well, as tall as he is, even if he's a little bit lanky, we know he's got to have some muscle on him. He's, I mean, would you guess, Chris, 220? I think so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why is what he, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That's not like mm-hmm. hard for me to And he, he weighs less than that. I, I don't think a painting in front of me, but it actually has his weight in there. But he has been like, training every day with the sword and so yeah he is all muscle right 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 he's so dreamy uh rand elthor here you go born 978 new new era this is the second time you use this term new era yeah that's that's what they any that's what they so he's rand is approximately 6'6 six, six and weighs 235 pounds there you go. 235 Ooh. Ooh, pretty close all muscle yep it's like so, my brother my brother's straight yeah. cut Right. So new era, there are different time frames from um, when we start the third age, which this is after mm-hmm. um, like when you have like the ceiling of the, the hole in the bore, like the bore. And then you have like at certain point, like the war, of, you have a war. And after that, they kind of started over again. Gotcha. So, there are two different mm-hmm. ways of marking time. And this is like the beginning of this, of I the World starts, like with chapter one starts with 998 new era. Yeah, but there is no time. So old, new, what does yeah. it matter? Right. So going back to this. Let's go. Men has been very feminized all of a sudden. She was like my yeah. favorite tomboy alley cat. Wait a minute. She just lugged his ass but then up, into the house, and then, and then right in, away, it's like, oh, the bed. let me look up at his face. Let me adore him. Let me study him. Like, let me just reach under these blankets real quick and, and quick and, and just touch him. Just ooh, he's 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 cold. I just I don't know. I mean, there's more blankets. I could start a fire, but I think the the logical answer here is to climb in with him. I mean. Mm-hmm. Let's just get as close as we can and snuggie up. Well, she did make a fire. I mean, she was yeah. practical. She did and practical. honestly, what was she supposed <laughs> to do? Because she looked for Nynaeve and couldn't find her. So what's she supposed to yeah. do? She literally says, I think he'll die from hypothermia or whatever because his breathing's ragged before I can even find Nynaeve and get back here. So what is she supposed to do? I like older she- men. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not... At her. I like I'm not older mad at men. Her. I yeah. like men with education and wit. I have no interest in farms <laughs> yeah. or sheep or shepherds, especially boy shepherds. But then you aren't a shepherd, are you? Not anymore. 
lights. Why did the pattern have to catch me up with you? Why couldn't I have something safe and simple? Like being shipwrecked with no food and a dozen hungry ailmen. That part I really liked. I thought that was neat. For her. <laughs> I was like, Shit, that's pretty funny. She's like, I can deal with that. I can't deal with love. So she's she still got her tomboyish thoughts and mentalities, which is what I really liked about her. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. here's somebody that is kind of going to blaze her own path. And all of a sudden, she's caught yeah. up and ran. Like, she's caught. I don't even want to call it uh, a weaving anymore. It's it's definitely a web. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then, uh, Egwene Boston. <laughs> I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, snap. <laughs> and, and horrible timing, too, from, you know, what it would look like to Egwene. Because, uh, Zul, you're right. It, she did all, from a first aid, caretaker, trying to help in perspective, she, she did all the right things. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. she got to a point of, all right, I'm going to, cuddle up under these blankets with him for body warmth which again right thing to do but now she has time to think and her mind wanders and her mind starts wondering about what if this and oh you know like chris was reading no i like older men what am i you know but she's starting to fantasize and right as her mind slips in that direction Egwene pops Mm -hmm. in so like (laughs) even though she shouldn't feel guilty for what she's doing there's probably a split second where she like looks at and goes oh shit this Mm -hmm. looks horrible (laughs) you know Yep, exactly. And 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 Egwene kind of says, "Well, you know, you can't have them. No one can have them. You know what's going to happen." The man's like, "No, you gave him up. You you told him you gave him up yourself. Like, just because you gave him up doesn't mean I can." And you also learn that another character still alive. You guys didn't catch it, right? I'm kidding. You guys didn't catch it. Celine. No. 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 Did I miss? Okay. Here we go. Elaine and Nynaeve are getting the horses. We found Bella. Bella! Oh, (laughs) Bella! Yes, yeah. Bella's there. How did, how did I skip right I over that? I, I read this twice and I totally looked over yeah. that. Bella always comes back. Bella's the wonder horse. Yeah. Bella's yeah. Yep. For a moment, I was starting to think that Bella was Lanfear, but I, you know, I guess <laughs> that, would, that yeah. would be a fun twist. <laughs> that I would appreciate it a whole lot. So, and, yeah. And you've been writing to- me all this time. <laughs> so. The man does say that she once ran to Egwene, that, that she does. And then at this point, Egwene leaves to go find Nynaeve. Why didn't Egwene try to take care of it herself? Well, I mean, I think they all recognize Nynaeve's more powerful. But, yeah, it's a good question. You mean, why didn't Egwene try to heal him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this force training that Egwene got was more focused on turning her into a weapon. Absolutely, yeah. So she on blowing shit up and lightning balls and flinging earth and rock, but I, I didn't read anything that gave me the impression that they were teaching her to, you know, you know it, use softer Or didn't she? No. No, not, not Eve was no, the wisdom. No, not Eve was yeah, the wisdom. Yeah, no, not Eve was the wisdom, but yeah. wasn't she also, like, learning from Nynaeve? She was the apprentice. Yeah. yeah, she she might be able to mush up a little, 
you know, herb paste and smear on his forehead. But I think he probably needs a little bit more than than that right, right. now. So as she was learning, neither Nynaeve nor Egwene knew they were channelers at that point. But Nynaeve had already channeled to heal at this point. She she yeah. does it instinctively. Like it pisses her off that someone is sick or something and is going to die. So she channels without knowing that she's doing it. Egwene had never channeled at that point. So she didn't have any of that specific training. And she was, I think Rand didn't even know that she was training really to become a wisdom um, over that winter. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's pretty, it was pretty new for her. I guess her I first think. intuitive doing anything was when she started the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah, so Egwene leaves. Men continues to try to talk to Rand, and a new person shows up. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the most beautiful woman that men's ever seen. Yeah, she comes in. Um, so, Chris, you want to read the description? I'm trying to find it. Oh, there goes men stared. Right. She was the most beautiful woman men had ever seen, with pale, smooth skin and long black hair and eyes as dark as the night. Her dress was as white, was a white that would make snow seem dingy, belted in silver. All her jewelry was silver. Men felt herself bristle. What do you mean? Who are you? Wait, my book, that's weird. Um, my book, it reads a little bit differently, but it's very similar. Mine says, she was all in white, her dress divided for riding and belted in silver, and her boots, peeking out from under her hems, were tooled in silver too. Even her saddle was white and silver mounted. Her snowy mare, with its arched neck and daintly step, was almost as tall as Rand's Bay, but it was the woman herself. She was perhaps Nynaeve's age, he thought. Who held his eyes. She was tall for one thing, a hand taller, and she could almost look him in the eyes. For another, she was beautiful, ivory pale skin contrasting sharply with long, night dark hair and black eyes. Oh, yours is so much better. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I just read a description of Selena. <laughs> <laughs> Why do those sound so similar? <laughs> Alan, you I, want to explain I, that I, to I me? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know why those sound really, really familiar at all. I don't. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and award myself another point. Thank you. <laughs> that, that, that was ding, probably ding, one ding. of the hardest ones actually to keep because uh, there's actually several times in our podcast and in voice chat and several times where we're talking about Celine and I even went back and listened. There was an episode where I said, Le- uh, Celine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's, that's a tough one. But um, so, yeah, um, land fear. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that was, for me, that one was a little bit easier because as soon as we learned about, well, the little bit we learned about land fear and the role she would play. And then once we meet Celine and, 
not just all of her knowledge, but how she was pressing Rand and wanting them to be together and kind of, you know, rule the world together sort of thing. That It just makes sense. Yeah, blow the horn. Blow the horn, Rand. Take the glory, Rand. Blow the horn. Use the horn. Yeah, I'll, be I'll be by your the side way. the whole way. We'll do, we'll do it together. I'll be your yin to your yang. Celine was never sketchy. Not the slightest bit. I don't know what you guys are talking about. She wasn't. She never at all. She told him exactly what she wanted. Blow the horn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. She was pretty direct. And, and, and yeah, so she does come up to him and calm loose there. Um, mm-hmm. And moves Rand's hair, you know, and like men's not even there. And I think what's the quote she says? Ishmael uh, thinks that like, he can control all events, but actually I do. And Men's like, who are you? And finally she realizes Men. She's like, oh, they call me Lanfear. <laughs> and wow. Luce Theron's mine, and I'll leave him in your hands until I come back for him. So who's claiming whom here? Um... <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Lanfear said dibs. dibs. And dibs goes. Okay. So, so we know. have Men saying dibs, and then we have Lanford saying dibs. So they're both like, I claim him. Mm. So I think Men was debating on whether or not she would call dibs. And that little argument she had with Egwene, she just said she could if she wanted to because Egwene gave him up. But her problem is she never actually said oh. dibs. Lanfear said mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't get the rules she right. Even drew the mark on yeah. his forehead. Yeah, it's the dibs mark. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she did. The dragon thing. Yep. Did men mm-hmm. tattoo him? No. no, she didn't. So let's talk. So what's your thoughts about Lanfear being here? I mean, that's. I mean, she's a forsaken. Mm-hmm. But she's but she's hot though. <laughs> I actually like her more now. I do. Yeah. Well, uh. I, I, Obviously, hopefully, in the next book, we get a lot more of her because mm-hmm. uh, we still don't know a whole lot about her and where she's been this whole time. Um, you know, maybe she was just hiding out in one of these mirror worlds, waiting for the new Luce Theron to come through, and I don't know. We'll see what role mm-hmm. she plays. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, previously, you know, she was trying to get it on with uh, old Luce Theron, and that didn't work out. But but maybe this go-round for things to happen the way they're supposed to happen, maybe these two do need to partner up. So Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. We shall see. Maybe she'll find a different way to appeal to him, because Balsamon, whatever he's doing, is not appealing. You know, yeah, it's not, not working. working. So maybe, she can, maybe she'll find a way to get through to him. So... When she draws that on his forehead, Rand stirred, murmuring, the first sound or movement he had made since she found him. What's happening there? Anything? Mm-hmm. She tagged him with a tracking okay. device. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. She, she's yeah. healing him, and we know what happens when they heal. They create a connection. Yeah. That oh. Yeah. So if she if she heals him, she'll be able to find him easier. Then, mm-hmm. right? From what we mm-hmm. know about healing, because she has healed him, she has yeah. definitely mur- or marked him. 
Okay. I become one with him. Like a tracking device. I like it. Well, you, you already know that healing does that from Eye of the World, where they talk right. about Marine says how Nadi found them was they healed someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Egwene. Yeah. It was Egwene. Egwene, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like healing, healing tracks. Anyway, so yeah. So then we switch real quickly to a quick point of view of Bayar. Go together. What happened to what happened to Lanefear? Is she just hanging she, out with men? She she leaves. She did. Yeah. She How did that happen? What is that thing that they happened that happened back in book one, way back when we were in the hotel with the um Ooh. what is that darn thing? In the, in the prologue? Yeah, well yeah, the prologue mm-hmm. and then again with the shade or the fade, excuse me, mixing that. Well, it was shimmered. Thank you. Okay. She can travel the shadows. Well, she's a dark one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so she's she gone. And then that's we... what it was. She's the time travel. Yeah. <laughs> her tam. Um. So then we uh, switched to Bayar, uh, who's riding back, uh, and he thinks everything was a work of dark friends. It thinks of Perrin. Yeah, which is kind of messed up. It's not Perrin's fault. Yeah, yeah, but now he's going to go back and report it, yep. and so the white cloaks just got their asses handed to mm-hmm. him, right? Um, mm-hmm. And when it when it goes to be reported, he's going to be like, "Pretty sure this dude parents started it all," <laughs> and so that's going to mm-hmm. cause some problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, what's your prediction yeah. there? They they're going to come they're going to come after the yellow eyed guy. Hmm. They're going to okay. run the rand. Yeah, he is mm-hmm. Rand's bannerman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Oh, so they're gonna find mm-hmm. Rand by finding the yellow-eyed guy. Mm-hmm. And then there's gonna be a little mini uh-huh. battle there, and Rand's gonna win. Claim the white cloak for his own. I know. I'm just making okay. a bunch of stuff up. <laughs> hey, no, yeah. make all the stuff up you want. As long as we're getting your thoughts, we're happy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of chapter 48. Let's move right to chapter 49. What was meant to be in the icon is the Wheel of Time symbol. Um, these are pretty short chapters, but we, we get one of our old characters back. So we start with Rand waking up. Um, they're outside. He's sees men, but Rand's super confused. Uh, Man explains to him that it's been five, either five days east of Falma at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and Rand starts asking, you know, about Egwene, and Men says, yeah, she's free. They're all heading towards uh, Tarvalin with Matt. And it's just Perrin. Yeah. It's Perrin, you. Yeah. Sorry, I had to jump in there because that exchange is fantastic. You know, everybody has their different perspective of, of what they actually see going on during all of that battle and chaos. And then there's a lot of stuff they don't see that they're guessing what's happening. And Rand clearly had this wrong. He's like, Falme, more memory. Matt had blown the horn of Valir. Egwene, is she, did they free her? He held his breath. And Men's like, I don't know what they you mean, but she's free. We did that shit ourselves. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? We didn't need you. We had it handled. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah. yeah and the men explains that they, they've all head off towards Tarvalon. Uh, 
with the horn and in with Matt to go heal him. And, and this, at this point, this is where Rand sees both herons on his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Men says his side's not healed. He has to be really careful because the power apparently won't work to heal it, that it has to heal naturally. And it still hurts. And he found out that our good friend Moraine is there. Moraine is here. Yeah. He barked with a bitter laugh. When you said Varen was gone, I thought it was free of Aes Sedai again. And then, like on cue, I'm here. She said, <laughs> and Moraine said she appeared all in blue and serene as if she stood in the white tower, strolling up to sand over him. Men was frowning at the Aes Sedai. Rand had the odd feeling that she meant to protect him from Moraine. Yeah. So I, I still have love for Moraine, but now I'm right back to thinking, you know, I've mentioned before, maybe Moraine is willing to do some shady shit to make all of this stuff happen the way she thinks it's supposed to, right? Um, so where where was Moraine during all of this? What the hell was she doing? And who was she interacting with? Like, how was she traveling around by herself there? She had to have some connections. Huh. And, I mean, was she, was she infiltrating the Sean Chan? Or, like, I, I don't know. She doesn't really give a good explanation other than she had so shit to do. So how did Moraine even know to be there? Is there anything that you know of that would make her think she needed to be in Falma? So, again... You know, we talked about the different healing and Moraine had healed our various characters multiple times. So there would be some connection, but I, I think you still have to be relatively close to mm-hmm. really start to feel well, it. When was the last time you um, saw Moraine? When she was researching. And that's, well, that's when she knew there had to be uh, some, did she talk about Black Aja at that point? Or was that us guessing? She talked about Falma a lot. That's where she made that connection. Uh huh. Yeah. So maybe her research led her to go that direction. So we haven't, because we yeah. haven't seen her but, since then. So we have no yeah. idea what she's actually been up to. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just speculating here. It's probably some shadiness. Okay. And Rand says that he wants her gone. Uh, yeah. And says, you know, I, you already sent Farron to watch over me. And Rand's like, I didn't send Farron. <laughs> um, she did that on her own. Yeah. I yeah. did it on her own. And then they um, they talk about Fane. You know, they ask, uh, you know, they she asks about Fane. They says, you know, well, I didn't see him. It's a good thing you did it because Fane's different. He's not what we thought he was. He's far more dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, Rand calls him a dark friend, and she replies, more than that, worse than that. Pad and Fane was the Dark One's creature to the depths of his soul, but I believe that in Shatter Logoth he fell afoul of more death, who was as vile in fighting the shadow as ever the shadow itself was. More death tried to consume Fane's soul, to have a human body again, but found a soul that had been touched directly by the Dark One, and what resulted... What resulted was neither Pat and Fane nor more death, but something far more evil, a blend of the two. Mm. So we were talking earlier, you asked the question about, is Beazelmon the Dark One? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. 
because, and I'm not saying Pat and Fane is either, but I'm starting to get the feeling that Pat and Fane is a bigger threat uh, than Beazelmon is. Hmm. So how could Beazelmon be the dark one if there's something darker, scarier out there than him? If that makes sense. Yeah. So he's just, you know, a piece of the pub. Uh, Basil Munch is a piece of the puzzle, you know, working for the dark one also. Mm. Okay. Um, but he's not the dark one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. So we're all listening intently, like, yes, fetus more. <laughs> no, this, yeah. this is good. Floaty, floaty's moment. You know, this is a good, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I, I mean, I don't really have. It's not like I'm going to flip through the book and say, "Now read this sentence here on page 497," and that's exactly why I think that this is more kind of feeling what I'm getting. And as Pat and Fane has grown into what he is now, uh, been starting thinking thinking that more and more. And and even you know Moraine, who is pretty wise about a lot of things, she's uh-huh. recognizing it. Um, I makes makes me wonder what else she knows. Uh, maybe she found out something else in her research or there's some other part of the prophecy that she knows but hasn't revealed mm-hmm. to us the reader mm-hmm. yet um she's definitely picking up on pat and fane what he's becoming and, and knows that he's a pretty big threat right. like flat out said yeah if you would have faced him you might not have survived so he faced the uh-huh. and whooped his ass but if you could have gone up against pat and fane it might have had a different outcome <laughs> that's a pretty significant warning that moraine is giving him so uh, about this guy. So if it had been the dark one himself, would as opposed to something else? I mean, like she's saying, I don't think the dark one is this easily killed. Yeah, because because Rain, yeah. Rain yeah. does mention he killed Balsamon, and that's Moraine says, yeah, he's not slain that easy. Well, wow. hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then you know, Marine does sh- uh, says the battle was took place in the sky above Falme. Rand's really confused, so Marine pulls out a picture that's drawn of Rand and the battle going on. It's Rand's face, and she says, "You know, the tale's now spreading of the dragon fighting the dark one above Falme." <laughs> and Rand tries to deny that he's the dragon. Um, <laughs> yeah, Marine says, "You are who you are, man." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but the. The local merchants are already selling trinkets that like right. show Rand flying through the sky and dicing up the Dark One or, or whoever they're trying to show him fighting. Yeah. But yeah, so it's the the rumors are already spreading, mm-hmm. and the further they spread, the crazier mm-hmm. the stories are going to get and have already gotten. So he's he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to run from do you this. Think I, do you think I could yeah. get one of those on velvet, black velvet? Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then the next thing that Marine shows them is even more scarier that, uh, you know, they, I guess they, they raided Turok's place afterwards and they found that the two seals that Turok had are both broken. So, mm-hmm. so now three of the seven seals that they know of are, are broken. So four, four may be intact, but we don't even know where they are. So, end of Eye of the World, Rand battles Beelzeman, apparently wins, mm-hmm. in the aftermath 
they find a broken seal. Right. End of book. Rand battles Beazamon. Rand apparently wins, striking a death blow. They find two more seals broken. Yeah. Are the seals... We talked about how, like, just over time, eventually the seals would break, that it wasn't this permanent hold. Eventually they would weaken. But what if it's actually Rand's actions and Rand's battle with Beazamon, whoever he actually is, that is causing the seals to break. Okay. What do you think, Chris? You know, I my interest went more towards the seals that are left over. Okay. So of like mm. when and where are we going to discover them and is it really going to become a priority? Like I, I don't it doesn't seem like the very end here, it kind of like, hey, we really need to be looking at this. But up until this point, they haven't even been really on the radar. There's been but four mentions total between two books. Like, yeah, they play this big significant mm-hmm. role, but it's like, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to look for the horn. Um, we're going to look for whatever, but never the seals. So I'm more interested to figure out is that the focus of the next book? <laughs> okay. okay. And then, like, are these seals, if we're going back to my theory of the Shan Chen being able to travel across time, are they specific to this time or this place in time, or are they throughout? I had a whole lot of, like, that was kind of the weird concepts. Like, do we have to travel to another dimension to protect and or bring back the seals mm-hmm. like what's the deal with that hmm. well i mean if it's, if it's time mm-hmm. travel i mean maybe tam, could tam maybe go mm-hmm. find them that's why we haven't seen him in a while <laughs> yeah. currently tracking through time to track him okay. down he's already working well well speaking of t3 speaking of tam we get this next part where Rand gets up and he finally lets go of tam being his father he finally yeah. yep. We get a round of applause for Rand <laughs> finally putting two and two together. Yeah, but, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I don't know. That made me cry a little bit. Her, yeah, that's a, that's a tough, tough moment. Bit. Yeah. Hey, we got to empathize some. You, you know, it's hard for Rand to actually admit it. And you know, he's been battling it and thinking it. And it's it's been obvious in front of in front of his face for a while. But actually admitting it to himself. Is mm-hmm. right. it's pretty significant, yeah. And then he walks down the camp. Um, there's the dragon banners flying high over the camp, and Rand, it's like, Why are you flying this? Like, put it away. And Rand's like, It's too late to hide. Like, that's it's it's probably always been too late to hide, but at this point, there's no, there's no point of hiding the fact that you're <laughs> everybody's raised the banner dancing in the sky, like <laughs> they know what you are. <laughs> Yeah, um, he sees loyal. Loyal's reading a book, but says like he'll stay with them. Um, parents says he'll stay too, and then they get to the Shanarans, and they all fall to their knees, draw their swords, and lay their swords down, pledging themselves to Rand as the dragon. Yeah, and Rand tries to send them back to Lord Algamar, and that's you know that's who they should be loyal to, um, and that's who their oaths are to. But <laughs> they say it is said. 
that when the dragon is reborn, we will break all oaths, shatter all ties. Nothing holds us now. We will give our oaths to you. And we heard that before, um, but I guess I didn't, you know, really know what that meant, but it makes sense now. Like once, once the dragon is reborn, once it is obvious, like these guys don't owe their allegiance to anybody else anymore and they're, they're free to give it to him. And I, I believe this is just the beginning. As the word spreads, his numbers will grow. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really say he accepted it either, though. It yeah. just said he made his decision. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, choices. He's okay. Yeah, he, yeah. he's able to. And think about think about the Shinarans too. Like they all didn't. I mean, think about how Uno and Sima and all these different Shinarans treated Rand throughout this entire book, and then they're all just immediately mm-hmm. there is man now. Like, Alan, did you not read the same book? Okay. He was flying through the <laughs> fucking sky, dicing up some bad dude. Okay, like, I I don't care who you are, you're gonna you got to tip your hat to that, sure. you know? Yeah. Okay. So, I thought he got robbed of a little bit of glory when he diced up Turok as the other blade mm-hmm. master. Like, I think if more people knew what happened there, they would have there'd be opportunity to give him some credit as a fighter and be like, Oh wait, Mm -hmm. no, he's actually earned this sword. This is legit. He's the real deal, but nobody, nobody saw it. But this fight with Biazamon, everyone saw even the fucking cat on the other (laughs) side of, uh, (laughs) that, uh, snowplow pile was like, what the fuck is going on over there? Yeah. Yeah, That's a meme reference that's floating around. So, um, yeah. (laughs) So, you, you, said, yeah, you so, said something oh. that goes back to the title of the chapter. Okay, it says what was meant to be. And you said it should be named what? Choices. Choices. Yes. So. <laughs> right, but exactly. sarcastic choices. Yeah. But, but, the, but that's how the chapter ends is, you know, will he hide or will he fight? I'd be like, two, since we're going to open up yep. book three and Rand's going to be back in Edmondsfield. <laughs> Rand's going to peace out. Just right. leave. <laughs> but I, I do like that at the end there, he does make a callback to land the man, death is lighter than a feather, duty mm-hmm. heavier than a mountain. He made his decision. Mm-hmm. Choices. So did he ever really have a choice? Has anybody at all in this book okay. ever really had a choice? Well, he could have yeah. said yes to the <laughs> Yes, he could have. Yeah. Twice, oh. three times, four times. I ever made dreams, lucid dreams he was in from the get-go. Uh-huh. He could have accepted that and went with it. The darkness is following him. In the uh, the ways he could have accepted that, mm-hmm. and been corrupted there, that would have been another form of power. So, mm. now yeah. in the last episode, Alan, when he brought up this chapter title, pointed back to another chapter. Right. Those the, what, what might, might be. be. So. Thinking about just chapter titles, why would that one be what might be, and this was what was meant to be? Well, what we saw in what might be was all of the different lives uh, that Rand could have led based on 
different choices made, different circumstances that all ended in failure, that all ended in him losing. Um, I went again, uh-huh. lose Darren, right? Every single time. But but this is the one time. This is the one that's meant to be. This is this is the Neo that actually wins in the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it but it's based off of, I mean, who knows which one choice uh in this story as we go through here is is the, the big difference um that separates him from all those other ones. Or it's or it's all these little choices along the way. Mm-hmm. But this what are they what's the saying? Thousand <laughs> thousand time is the charm. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the one. Now, did y'all did y'all happen to yep. notice what book Loyal is reading? Hmm. Oh, I just laughed that he was reading, and he piped up and just went, "Oh, Taviran." I did. I didn't. I didn't pick up on the book. Mm-hmm. Let me flip back. <laughs> I I don't I don't remember what book it is, but I already know what book it is. If that makes sense. <laughs> Okay, it's the title is To Sail Beyond the Sunset. Mm. Actually, there is a book from our age published in 1988 by Robert Heinlein, To Sail Beyond the Sunset. And that line comes from a line of Alfred Lord Tennyson's poem, Ulysses. This book was published in 1990. And I can only guess because we don't know for sure. I can only guess that this is a nod from Robert Jordan to to uh, yeah. another author because this was the last book published by you know by Robert Heinlein. Um, and so um, before his death, and so you have the Shanshan going off into the west into the sunset you know and you have also Robert Heinlein going off into the sunset into the west and so he likes to give nods to Tolkien but I kind of like to think now I don't know this for sure that this is a nod to Heinlein another author you know Hmm. so I I kind of love that and I this is the first read that I ever noticed that yeah and i don't know how many really? times i've read this particular book you know since yeah well that's cool if yeah. you did little, little tip of the hat i did want want to ask yeah. you in your copy what is rand sharpening i mean not, not land sharpening land. land sharpening belts and knives. So we had some small blade okay mm-hmm. yeah that's they. Yeah. They both have newer versions. Mm-hmm. They don't have the original. So that's a that's one little one. nugget. Yeah. Is that in the first edition, in my edition, it says that Lan is sharpening his sword or a sword. So, why did they have to change that to belt knife? Because Lan's sword is power rod and never need <laughs> never sharpening. Need sharpening. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, 
but Jordan made a mistake well, when, he, when he wrote and, the first one. So he's sharper sword, then someone called him out. So when they did sub, sub uh, other additions, they yeah, changed, they changed they it. So I think in the audio bit book, it still says sword. It does. It does in the audio book. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's a few things actually in later editions of Great Hunt that were changed. That's one uh-huh. of that's one of the major ones, but there's actually yeah. four things that like words that are changed. Wait, things like I think that you that already pointed out that. one that, that changed about um about um mm-hmm. the harp earlier. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so that ends this chapter. So any final thoughts before we move on to the, the shortest chapter? The shortest of chapter of all of <laughs> Yeah, it's a paragraph long. It's like two paragraphs, maybe. Um, so let's go to after. And so after, it's a little time symbol. Chapter 50, the story spreads. There's many tales. And then you get a little bit about the prophecy of the dragon. And yeah. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good little little ending, though. I, I do enjoy it. It's a good ending to a book when, you know, you have more of a story to tell and, and you kind of want to build that up, mm-hmm. you know, because after a big fight scene, big battle like this, there's that kind of afterwards, ah, okay, now what? Um, and so this is a good build up for the, the next book or books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like we were just talking about a little while ago. The story is going to get told over and over again, and the further you get away, the story's going to change a little bit. But and, and that's what they say here. But it finishes. Yet one thing every tale had the same. At their head rode a man whose face had been seen in the sky above Falma, and they now, rode under the banner the of the dragon motions? reborn. Flicker moment, or is this the retelling of the story by hundreds of people? Yeah, the retelling like of the story the flicker yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. you'll you'll notice there's kind of a theme through all of these books that and it starts from the very beginning that over time stories change from legend to myth and you know rumors get spread it's not like they have the internet and can just instantly get a video of something that's happened it's it has to spread Wait, wait, wait! Time, time out, time out, time out. Zul, are you no. saying that everything on the internet is true? No. Okay, okay. I just you said it's not like they have the internet. Oh, like, whoa, whoa, hold on, time out. They, they, they don't even have the ability to look things up or to see a video of something that has happened. They have to. Ha- it has to be word of mouth, and so they're playing telephone. Not only, not only in real, you know, in their current yeah. time, but across ages, things change. So this is an example of it yeah, changing sure. within their own time. And if you look through all of the different accounts, they all have a little bit of something that's true. But, you know, is any of it all true? But they all say one thing that is the same. Yeah. It's it's a it's a good way to transition to the next. But book I sure. would love for one of you to read that last little. Um... And admit yeah, well, it's, it's not it's, it's not a prophecy. 
Yeah. Tom Pro- Prophecy. You. Okay, it's just written yeah. from the fourth And page. men yeah. cry out to the creator, saying, O light of the heavens, light of the world, let the promised one be born of the mountain, according to the prophecies, as he was in ages past and will in ages to come. Let the prince of the morning sing to the land that green things will grow and the valleys give forth lambs. Let the arms of the Lord of the dawn shelter us from the dark and the great sword of justice defend us. Let the dragon ride again on the winds of time. The end. Mm. Yeah. So that's how we wrap up. And when is that quoted from? What does it say? This is from. Is it Sheral? You don't need to say. Uh, that. The cycle of the dragon, the fourth age. What age are we in in this book? Mm-hmm. Okay. Third. Third age. So you got to go backwards for you to go forward. So Tam must have had this in his pocket okay. when he came back in time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He yeah. brought it. He brought yeah. it with him. Yeah. Do you notice? Exactly. Do you notice anything different in so, tone about this as opposed to the tone of the prophecies we've had? Huh? I'd have to. Line I mean, is it, is it talking side, about but... him like breaking the world and? No, it's all oh. positive. Okay. As if it changes. No, no. It sounds very like religious. Mm-hmm. The language is very different. Yeah. So I'm saying he's going to win over the white cloaks and then they're going to see him as a god. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's going to be the whole group of them getting worship. The prince of the morning that sings to the land uh-huh. so that green things will grow. Okay. Well, that's loyal. I, I seriously thought the same thing when I heard this <laughs> read to me. So. But yep. the rest of it really made sense. So okay, okay. The the arm of the Lord of the okay. Dawn, Lord of the Dawn. That's going to be land. Mm-hmm. Great sword of justice. Well, that's still got to be. Uh, yes, that's not it is. Isn't his See, sword that's called not justice? Capitalized. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Is that necessarily the title, or is that? Yeah, it may yeah. not be talking about the sword specifically, <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we shall so see. Would, well, we only have to wait a whole nother age uh, to figure out a meat by all of this. So I would guys ask you guys' opinion of the entire book, but we'll save that for a bonus episode. Um to a real deal, like yeah. before. So we won't we don't do a whole entire opinion of the entire book right now. So if you guys want to hear that, um you could do it through becoming a Patreon. Um, and that's how you get bonus episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up if that's okay with you guys. Unless you guys have anything else to add before I do. Later, Gators. Peace. Uh, are we doing favorite character? Oh, well, yeah. Good, good point. Favorite character. Aguain. Yeah, let's do it. Favorite character. I can, yeah. So why, I why Aguain? That. You said Aguain. Just because I, I like her, her change. Like, I really do like that she's, like, even though she's been traumatized, which is horrible, and she's now become slightly maniacal, I think that's going to do great things for her in the near future. 
I think she's going to become a very powerful resource and she's not interested in Rand the way she was before. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to have any um, negative effect on her? What's oh, what she's most through? definitely. I, I almost could see her switching sides. Yeah. I could see her like countering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, treatment, treatment like that, torture like that, experiencing pain at that level mm-hmm. and those depths. That'll That'll mess you up, man. Everybody comes back from that. Okay. That would be like Rand's big heart. You heartache. certainly don't come back the same person, for sure. Mm. <laughs> That's how he loses his legs. Okay. Ian? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Celine here. Oh, even though did you she say was Celine only there briefly. Oh, Lanfear. Okay. Lanfear. Okay. Yeah, little landfare action. Um, not so much. Obviously, she didn't do anything here, really, other than you know, tickle his forehead, smoking, smoking hot. And then it's my curiosity of what her story is going to be moving forward. Like, I'm really drawn to wanting to know that storyline. <laughs> so, the anticipation. Okay. She's got. Me. Do you think? What, yeah. Do you think she we'll got me anticipating any okay. of her history with? Um, with LTT, Luz, there in Telemon? Okay. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, as, as Rand starts to, I, I'm assuming there's going to be some attempt out of a relationship. At, if she's come clean and said, you know, uh, I'm okay. Lanfear and not trying to be Celine anymore and just announcing herself. Um, and any future engagements with Rand, I would assume she's going to be more direct and <laughs> honest to some degree I'm and filling him in on what's going on. So, yeah, that's why I hesitated saying honest, but she's her opinion. She'll give more of the um, the the land fear story and not the Celine story because Celine was bullshit. Sure. I guess I guess we could also do next chapters, even though it's a new book. So I still yeah. can give you chapter titles. So um, we're we're gonna the next episode we'll do the prologue and chapter one of the Dragon Reborn. So the prologue's name is Fortress of the Light. That's gonna be what's his the, name? That's the prologue of Dragon Reborn. Mm, okay, and then chapter uh, one I, is I, choices. I no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Perfect. <laughs> chapter one. Chapter one's worse. called waiting. <laughs> Who are waiting on? Why it's, are waiting? it's called waiting. Uh, yeah. Waiting to make a choice. Waiting to make a choice. <laughs> <laughs> so Perfect. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so the waiting and fortress of the oh, light. Or fortress. What's it, what did I say? Fortress. Fortress of the light. Yeah, of the light. Yeah. So yeah, those are our next to the beginning of the Dragon Reborn. All right. So, um, how you can be found? Um, we can be found at the Will Reads on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
all those great places. Um, uh, the Will Reads at gmail.com is our email address. www.thewillreads.com is our, e- is our website. Um, let's see. We can also be found our Discord channel. Um, links are on the website, on the description of this episode. Well, not on this episode, but on the website, on our social media. You can find links. If you need one, message me. I'll send it to you. Uh, come, come join the, yeah. the Discord. Or you mentioned yes, Zool. Or really any of us. Please come join us. It is yeah. so much fun. We will love it. We will welcome it really you. Is. Arms. Great community. We are your people. Yeah. 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 And then, and then how you can support us. There's multiple ways you can do that. I mean, one is just listen to us. Um, it's free. By listening to us, it helps us find other people. It helps with the algorithms and more people to find us. Um, it's fun. It's fun because now people are joining Discord and we ask how you found the podcast. And a lot of people are finding it naturally, meaning that they weren't recommended. They just randomly were recommended the podcast, which means the algorithms are working in our favor. So that's one way you can help us is just keep listening to us. Um, another way you can help us is the merch. Um, we have a merchandise store. Uh, we do get a, small, a very small cut of everything we sell through that. Um, but there's cool stuff there. There's t-shirts, there's frosty mugs, shot glasses, coffee mugs, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, come go check it out at the links are also, uh, in the, at the website. And then also the yeah. best way of supporting us is Patreon. Um, uh, Patreon is the, is how most content creators get the majority of their support. Uh, that goes to allowing us to do giveaways. It allows us to upgrade equipment. I'm in the process of buying some new stuff. So we're going to get a big upgrade in the next few weeks and a lot of our sound and things like that. Um, uh, Zul is one of our patrons, um, yes. as was uh, Delusions of Grendel a few a uh, few months ago. That was it's one of the kind of hidden perks of Patreon. It's not a listed perk, but um, uh, but in order to join us, if you're not a content creator, uh, pretty much the only other way that we're going to invite you on is yeah. if you give us money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so unless you can bribe us or if you create your own content, those are the two and, ways to get on with us. Uh, um, it's not. And, and, and it's not a, se- right. a, a special level for Patreon for that. It's just, um, it's not actually a real perk, but it's uh, it, it, it there are time slots and, given to Patreon. And I'm going to say that, that as a patron, so, um, there is it, a patron only chat that where we get to know each other in a little, you know, more personal level, and you get a little more direct access to the fellas. Yeah. And also, you are in on every single one of the live recordings, which is so much fun. The live recording chat is just amazing while these mm-hmm. recordings are going on. So, absolutely, mm-hmm. it's the you know, you can start yeah. at one dollar and go from there. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks yeah. for that plug. That's great. So that's about all I got for this uh, book, for this this episode. Anything for you guys? Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.